FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast. This is Steel City 2001 Part 2. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it, man. Uh, again, tell a friend, subscribe to these. Brand new feed, brand new show, all of that stuff. Lee at Re-Raceables. Different people ride for different reasons, yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body on the line for the sheer enjoyment of it all, and this is what Lee at offers as a brand. They make protective gear helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, neck braces, covering riders head to toe in moto and mountain bike. But what Liat really stands for is a promise of things to come. They are in the business of making sure that you have the confidence and equipment to push yourself faster, harder, and further than you can go. Visit them at Liat.com. Again, the Moto Concepts Bullfrog Fro- Spas team running Liat uh, gear uh, outside of JB, of course. But the other guys will be in it. And, uh, yeah, thanks to Liat, man, for making it happen. Thanks to Max's Tires as well and Scott Sports. Scott Goggles all over these Liat re-raceables, of course, with, with so many riders, including the Two guys that uh, were the stars of part one of this, Mike Brown, Grant Langston, Warren Scott. Uh, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line to discuss the rest of this epic day in Steel City and uh, talk some 250s from this day, Jason Wygan. What's up, Weege? Yeah, so nice. We had to do it twice. I just feel like this is so epic of a race that um, instead of giving you three hours of one show, why not give you a little over an hour times two? And, and let's face it, this 250 part of the Steel City, I mean, this might have the best in-race segment I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yes, a gem that you have discovered that I did not realize was there coming out of all this drama, the 125s, but the 250 class really had a gem for you, and yeah. maybe only you. Yeah, fantastic. Yes. So uh, thanks, yep. uh, thanks, people, for listening. Appreciate it. We heard from Grant Langston uh, in the first one, and he was a great interview, of course. And actually, at the World Vets this past weekend, I saw GL. He was announcing there, and he was running the uh, booth for Langston Motorsports, and he said that a lot of people had come up to him and talked to him about it, and uh, he, he was saying that a lot of people were like, I didn't know this stuff about that race. So, yeah, oh, thanks nice. to GL. Yeah, thanks to GL for, uh, for, for, for coming on. So I was so dumb. I was getting texts from GL and Kevin Kelly making fun of me, and I was like, what are they doing? So were they at World Vets? Yeah, they were announcing World Vets. Who knew? Wait, so World Vets, of all this other stuff that went down, you also had Kevin Kelly announcing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who doesn't go to this event besides, I guess, me yeah, and JT? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> and, and we're trying to get JT there next year to experience everything that went on at the World Vets. But, uh, yeah, something yeah, else, happening? man. Um, so as we know, uh, great great day of racing, very titanic battle and, uh, and everything else. Uh, but, you know, we didn't talk to the man who won the damn championship that day. And uh, so let's, let's, let's dive into this right away and uh, get on Mike Brown, Weege, uh, and to talk a little bit about it. Shall we do that? Yes, the ever-elusive Mike Brown. I, I didn't know if we'd actually be able to get him, but um, he said no prob, and we've heard that many times, and it usually does not result in actually getting him on the phone, but it did happen. This was by far the easiest I've ever, ever <laughs> been able to get Mike Brown on the line. Like uh, for ah. pulp shows, for podcasts, 
for anything I've ever done with Mike Brown, who's a great guy, by the way. This is not a, a symptom of like being an asshole or anything. It's just Mike Brown. Uh, this was am- – I texted him. Then a few days went past because we didn't quite have our, our stuff ready. And then I texted him back and said, I'm ready now. Are you in an hour? And he's like, yep. And then that was it. We got Mike Brown on the line. Wow. I, so. I, I'm shocked. Yes. So we will have Mike Brown in this. And we will also be joined by our man FMIP, the fastest man in Piedmont, Randy Richardson. People probably know well uh, through his appearances on your Pulp Show. But Randy was longtime best buds with Brownie. But Brown's team, they were Bridgestone, right? Yeah. Yes, so Randy worked with Langston over on the KTM side, so he had a tangled web of friendship and business, and uh, we'll get him on the phone as well. Yeah, sounds good. All right, everybody, here's, uh, here's Mike Brown talking about that, that day at Steel City. And now on the Lee at Re-Raceables 2001 Steel City Part 2, we talked to GL for Part 1, but Part 2, we have the man who was the big winner that day. He is the 125 National Champion from 2001, riding for the uh, Pro Circuit Kawasaki team. Mike Brown, what's up, Brownie? How are you, man? Uh, good, man. Just uh, just left the track from being out the track, getting ready for start boot camp next week with all the guys, and uh, that's about it. Nice. Uh, how many times do you have you talked about this race to different fans, different media, that kind of stuff? It, it's uh, it's an all timer for for everybody involved. Uh, it's yeah, it's been, for sure. It's been huge forever, and then it's kind of slacked off for a while, and then you know, I think. Um, I think it was uh, Brett was doing the interview thing a few a few weeks ago and do, bringing it all back up before September 11th and you mm-hmm. know it's it's always there but you know it's kind of I haven't heard from it in a little bit and then it's uh, the last couple months ago it started back again but it's right yeah it's always good to come and talk about that but not just just me winning but the whole situation around it I guess I'll start I'm more sin- I'm most interested in. So you're riding with Ricky Carmichael down there with Jeannie, and you're, you're doing the season, and, and you know we've all talked about how great the season is. When do you hear, or does Ricky come to you and say, hey, if I clinch, I want to drop down to the class 125? Or when, does, when do you hear about that? When do you know that that's happening? Like how soon before that race do you know that RC is going to drop down? Uh, I, remember, I think it was only two weeks because he didn't really have a bike. He rode my practice bike for a day or two, and then the next thing I know, a bike showed up with him, a practice bike, and that was it. I think it was maybe two weeks before the last race, and and it all happened really quick, and then he was on the 125 practicing with me, and then it was, it was off to the race. But, uh, yeah, what I can remember is like two weeks before the final one. He's just like, hey, I want I want the all-time record. I'm going to drop down. That's it, basically? Uh bit of everything yeah you know he wanted to try to help me get in between if he could if not he, right. you know i mean it was it was the i think well i don't know if it's the main focus was for him to get the most but i think it was a bit of both we're you know we're good friends and you know it was, he was trying to help me a little bit but mm-hmm. and he wanted to do the same thing on on the other side is get the most wins but yeah it was it was a bit of both right i think and that, uh, but like i said it was quick like i didn't i didn't know when he told me he was doing it, they'd already knew about it and it was happening. And then it was like, oh, he's racing for sure. Like, and I can remember the first day he rode the bike. It was like, man, this is way too hard. Like, I ain't used to riding a bike this hard, but it's <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I was wondering. We were all wondering, you know, on the outside, you know, uh, the, the whole talk was, okay, well, how fast will he be? On one side, he's Ricky Carmichael, so of course he's going to be unbelievable. But on the other side, was like, well, what happens if you don't ride a 125 for two years? Do you? 
lose that edge. So when you saw him riding, you're the only witness. You actually knew before Steel City was eventually, did it get to the point where you're like, uh, yeah, he's super fast. Yeah, straight away. It wasn't take him you know, oh, okay. a couple laps on it. And he was already going fast, but he just said oh. it was hard riding because he could ride it so hard. But, yeah, for sure, he's like you said, it's Ricky Carmichael. I think if you put him on a dang horse, he's going to go as fast as, you know, <laughs> what we're going. But, it's uh, yeah, he was quick on it straight away. And I knew going there, like, yeah, I mean, GL was going fast, but he's not going to let nobody beat him. You know what I mean? That's, that's Ricky Carmichael style. That's whatever it takes, hang off the side of it, the back of it, the front of it, whatever, he's going fast. <laughs> well, Brownie, I, I was I was on KTM at the time, and I told this story in the part one. I was told by people on the team and around Grant that there is no way Carmichael was going to beat you guys, that you guys have taken it to a new level. And I'm like, I'm like, hold on, what? Like, you guys don't think Carmichael's going to beat everybody? Like, I mean, no offense to yourself and GL, but again, like you yeah, said, this no. is Carmichael. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. No, I knew, like, I, I think the first one he crashed and, you know, he came through it up to third, which is, yeah, he was fast for sure and probably the fastest lap time. But, no, I think me and Grant were going faster than normal, and mm-hmm. but in the second moto, you know, I crashed on the start and GL had the problems and, and Ricky won, but then I came back. I guess I think I came back to second at one time, and then, yeah, but the same as he did the first oh. moto. But yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, he's going to be past whatever he's riding. So something that Weege and I were talking about in part one. How did you know? So you know you got the title. You see GL. GL the two laps to go. Finally, can't go anymore. Right, the wheel breaks, yeah. and you've got the title, and you know that Carmichael need or somebody knows that Carmichael needs the second needs you to get third to get Carmichael the overall. You've already got the championship. Who tells you this, Brownie, to slow down and let Jessamine buy, or do you figure it out yourself? No, I think I figured it out myself because I knew that if I did get second, then I would have won overall because right. he got a third. I, I didn't. Nobody really even said anything, and I think it was talked before. You know, if, if I won the first one, if, if if he needs to win, I need to get third to yeah, yeah. for Ricky to win. So I kind of knew the situation a little bit, and I got in second, and I was kind of almost kind of just kept going. Like I, I was like, oh shoot, I got to get second, and then I had to make it. You know what I mean? I had to go back to third, and it was like, right. yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, there we go, Weege. There we go, Weege. We could not figure it out. Brownie knew it, Weege. So there we go. Uh, here, uh, that is, here's what blows my mind about this. Look, the title was really close even going into the final moto. It wasn't quite winner take all, but it, you were definitely still in contention. I could not believe that of all the math and all the pressure and all the drama of title, 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 you also thought about this other separate thing that probably wasn't I mean, if Langston's wheel doesn't blow up, you're probably not even thinking about Carmichael's situation. I can't believe that you had taken even two minutes of your brain power to think about that at any point. I'm impressed. Well, no, if, if Langston was in front of me right on my rear wheel, I wouldn't have thought about it. I was going to go get second plate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I think I had a few laps to think, all right, Langston's out. Uh, he's, I could win the wow. championship if I finish the race. And then it was like, you know, it was a little bit easier, but it wasn't. You know what I mean? Like I said, I think it's the last lap or something I've kind of, let Jessamine by second to last lap. I don't remember what closely, but yeah, like I said, if it was bad on, no, I wouldn't have even thought about that. Not at all. Uh, I'm just, done. I just figured you'd be riding around in complete shock, seeing Langston's wheel. And those are the only thoughts that would run through your mind. I'm impressed. You could think about something else. <laughs> most all the drama. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember nobody telling me let, I don't know if the pit board, I don't know if they got any, I don't think, right. I don't think they would have brought that on the pit board. 
like now, you right. know, let Justin buy. Right. But I don't. I, I remember that I need. I know I needed to get third of Ricky one. So that's all I knew. Uh, I just want to ask one other thing about the Carmichael situation, and well, certainly the main thing we want to get into is the season and, and the battle with you and Langston even at this race. But the one other thing is interesting. I've talked to you about this. This is like the beginning of uh, Alden Baker, and uh, you were there for it, right? Like this is pretty much when it started, wasn't it? Yeah, I was with Eldon. Yeah, I, I, I was. She ninety. When did Eldon start with Ricky? Or ninety nine? Two thousand. I think two thousand. Right. So not yeah. you know. Because I was down there that point. year, two thousand. I was in Europe, but I, I went and stayed with Ricky during the winter time. And I was there when Eldon came to the first day. So I was there really basically the whole time that year. And I went to Europe in two thousand, came back for pro circuit, and I was there with them the years after up until seven or eight or something like that. Uh, so, look, and no one knew at the time, I'm sure, when this rando trainer guy shows up, that it's going to completely change the sport. And by the way, it's funny, you're actually working with Eldon now, 20 yeah. years later. Uh, was it uh, like when they first showed up and they were first working and you were working with them, did you sense like, wow, this is gnarly or this is different or this is a game changer? Or did it all seem normal at one point? Um, for me, it was a little not normal because I never – would do so much in one day, like gym, bicycle, and ride, or gym and bicycle. You know what I mean? And when I was in Europe, a couple of years there, I would, you know, I'd go running and I'd go motorcycling, and you know, the next day I'd do the gym and one. But like to do it as a job, like he turned it into, no, it was oh. different for me. Yeah, to put all that in one day and then add that to a couple of days a week, and then it was four or five days a week, and then it was a week. You know what I mean? So it was it was different for me too. But I think Ricky was young. I was older. I, I, I kind of knew that I needed to go run or I needed to ride my bicycle. But for him, it was all new. And he was straight from, you know, not doing very much, but riding to the gym, to the bike, and to, to all that there was tough for him, I think, for sure. Uh, Brownie, we, oh, sorry, we go ahead. Oh, so you could see, like, this is another level when this dude showed up, when this trainer showed up. It's like, this is another level right here. Yes, no, for sure. Like, and then, and then it, it soon showed, you know, that when he was losing the weight, getting faster, and the whole package came around, then it's, everybody's got to have it. You know, how are they going to beat him without it? And, yeah, if you know what you're doing, you're an old guy like me that I know kind of what, what was going on. Because I trained with him forever, and I kept doing it over the years. When I wasn't with him, I kind of kept the same routine up. And I think it's why I've never really – I've always tried to be in shape a little bit and try to ride motorcycle as much as I can, do the whole whole thing, which has kept me going like I do now. And for him, it was, yeah, big, big change. Well, make us laugh because before we hit record on <laughs> Okay, so you just wrapped up getting ready for boot camp as a trainer for these guys now. But, by the way, you'll be racing the next couple of weekends also for fun. It's yeah, it's amazing. It's just amazing. You're insane. Um, but – Brownie, getting back to the this race here, uh, Weege was laughing because he's never seen, after the first moto, he's never seen the winner turn around and give a middle finger to the guy who got second. <laughs> Weege oh, has God, never seen know. that. <laughs> I was like, he won, but he's still mad. He's, st- he's yeah, still pissed. I <laughs> uh, that was bad. Redneck me. Uh, yeah. Well, GL GL said you apologized for that to him at the end of the day. I did. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know. <laughs> after, after the fact, I won a championship. Oh, of course, I'm all happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's not called for. No. That's not good. Oh, that's but, uh, that's funny. You know, I, I mean, it sounds like you do feel embarrassed or bad about it or whatever. But I feel like the way the whole season had gone, you guys both give it 
everything you absolutely could all year. I felt like I'm like, yeah, dude, emotions are boiling over. They're giving it everything they have. It's an emotional thing. Like, I thought it was cool. Like, I know it's weird. I thought it was funny. But I'm like, I get it. These two are leaving every fiber of their being out on this racetrack to try to win this title. And at that point, anything goes. I don't care if they were fighting, flipping each other off, screaming at each other. I'm like, this is, this is combat right here. No, yeah, like you said, I didn't care at the time, but now you look back on it, uh, you're a jackass, you know what I mean? But at the time, no, I didn't care. Like, I didn't care to flip nobody off yeah. do whatever. Yeah. Oh. Fighting with Ryan Hughes, I think, the same year, you know? And it's uh, all of us had it. I think you got to have that in you. If not, then you ain't going to have it, you know what I mean? That's you got to have the fight. Yeah. you got to have, like, I want to fucking win. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, and that's it. Yeah. Well, you know, I was on KTM with Kelly Smith, and there was no love loss with any of us. We all hated you guys. You hated us. You know, yeah. Weege and I did a story on Racer X uh, five years ago about this season, and we're doing a po- podcast now, and GL gave us some great stuff. There's a reason, man. There's a reason why we still talk about this and we write yeah. stories about it because it was intense all around, everywhere you go. I got a good story for it. The guy I live with in England, Finbar Nevesi, I lived with him the whole time I was in Europe and mm-hmm. all that. And he was flying over from England to see the last race with his mom. And he was on the plane, the plane with Kurt Nicole. So the Kurt Nicole is already upset with me because I left. I was supposed to sign with your team yep. and be on teammates. So yep. I didn't do that. He was all upset. He was on the flight. Kurt was with my friend from England, his mom, and he was saying, right, what are you going to Steel City for? You know, Mike's not going to win and all this. And it was like, because oh. he, knew, he knew him really good. So it started on the airplane on the way over. Wow. Then, oh, then God. On. So, and then, okay, so then it gets even better because at the beginning of the year, we were supposed to use pro circuit pipes, pipes and silencers for the whole team. No way. And then you yeah. spurned KTM and went to pro circuit, and then all of a sudden Doma pipes showed up. And all the pro circuit pipes went away. You know what I mean? It was like, we're not using pro circuit. Like, we hate those guys. We hate Mike Brown and all of that. Like, it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy, you know? So we ended up using FMF and DOMA uh, that year. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like nothing pro circuit was going to be on that, on that, on that bike, you know? Um, yeah. It, so one of the things that we, and Weed, you brought this up, your second moto ride, Brownie. I mean, even if you lose the title, even if Langston, yeah, you know, yeah. does what he needs to do, that's yeah. damn impressive, man. Yeah, no, I mean, like, like I said, I think I was winning the championship or winning another race at Butts Creek or whatever. I think that was probably my best ride, you know, coming from back there. For me, you know, I yeah. see it with Stewart and Carmichael's, but for Mike Brown, yeah, that was a good ride. You know what I mean? Like, I <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, everybody expects, like, you've seen James Stewart go from first to last at Butts Creek and Ricky do the same and lap the field. But, yeah, that was good to come from last to second and – and win the championship on the same day with, you know, mm-hmm. what happened to Links. And, yeah, it was a – yeah, for, that was a, can a you, good day. Can you picture the moment when you passed GL and you saw the wheel? When I seen it, when I caught up to him, I thought – I didn't know. I didn't think it was his real wheel broke. I thought, oh, he's got a flat tire. Ah, okay. He can still yep. ride. Yep. And then, you know, the next thing I know, when I got to him, it was probably worse than a flat tire, I'd think. Yep. And then – and then I think the next time I come around, he was still rolling around, and he was, you know, it was gone by then. And I was thinking, Greg, it must be his will, which I yeah, couldn't yeah. believe that happened. You know, like that's, I don't happen. You know what I mean? Right. How many times have people broke a wheel since then? And it's like I, would, I just thought it was a flat tire, and maybe you can salvage it out and run third, fourth, fifth, or whatever. And then, then I seen him. I came back by, and he was off, and I was like, holy crap! It must have been the wheel. Uh, Mike Brown on the Lee at Re Raceables here. Weege, go ahead. <laughs> 
Oh, so when you went by, you did pass him, but you didn't know at that point that it was definitely over. You're still thinking no. maybe the point. I thought we'll he had see a flat tire. Yes, right. I just thought he had a flat so, tire, and there wasn't a whole lot of time left. I don't think, but I thought, yeah, maybe right. it's you know him. Grant ain't gonna give up too many places if he don't have to. But yeah, I just thought it was a flat tire, and then I came around, and it was. I think I even seen him riding around with it wobbling, you know, like it was broken by then, and then mm-hmm. it was off the track, and it was like, yeah, something, you know, wasn't the tire. Uh, you know, jeez, well, um, what are the emotions like? I just want. Okay, so first moto, you have a pretty yeah, a couple of points to make up. So moto two is going to be really hard to take out. Then you go down. Yeah. I mean, at one point you had to think, uh, this is over. It's not going to work out. And then all of a sudden you yeah. see flat tire. And then all of a sudden you see him on the side of the track. Like, what the heck were the emotions like in that moto? The thirty minutes, pretty much anything that could have happened happened. Yeah, no, as soon as I crashed, I thought, like you said, it was over. But then I had something in the back of my head, and uh, you think I'm just – I thought, man, I, all I can do is go as fast as I can to the front, get there, and see what happens. And I wasn't really – like, I didn't really, like, get too nervous or, like, get, I don't know, over-anxious or whatever. I thought, I mean, all I can do is ride the best I can. Hopefully it works out. But And I, when I say work out, I wouldn't expect no championship. You know what I mean? I was right, thinking, right. no, it's done, really. But, you know, now I just put a good ride in and see what I can do and go up there. And then, it's, you know, I catch up. And I'm, catch- I'm catching, I'm catching. And I was thinking, yeah, something's going on. You know what I mean? It's like I could kind of gauge myself from I could see it where they were at way ahead. And then it was all of a sudden you're catching quick and then something is wrong. I, you know, Grant getting tired the last race, trying to win the championship. No, that's not it. So then you know, I catch up to him and his tires thought was flat and wasn't and then it's you know it went on from there uh you know gl gl told <laughs> us that really okay it's pastrana yourself and grant in this battle and we Pastrana crashes himself out he's got a pretty big lead but he crashes out gl mm-hmm. told us that at bud's creek you said on the interview after he sat out bud's creek you interviewed him and on the on the speed speaker they said something about grant langston not being here and you said grant who and he said he wanted to fight you right then. <laughs> <laughs> he said he wanted to take the bike out of the truck and that. race that day. Probably, yeah. yeah, he Probably said yeah, the announcer brought up Langston, and you said, Grant, who? And, he, and GL was like, oh, shit, that's it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. He goes. I mean, no, I couldn't have said that. No way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, was, what's um, funny about your relationship you know what is got me guy, the, the, worst, the worst one of ahead. the whole year, I mean, him battling was uh, being into New York that year. I mean, him got into it there yeah. on the first lap, I think it was, and he thought I was going to cut him off, and then he ended up ramming me or whatever. But I honestly, to God, on anything right now, I never meant to cross him up or do whatever I did. Yeah. That's I like, I'll go back to my grave saying I, I didn't mean to do that. And he got so fired up and thought I was trying to yep. kill him right then. But I wasn't then. I, I did not do that. Like <laughs> I, but, you know, he's not going to think no deal. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Oh, man. Uh, and what makes it even more incredible is that you guys came over from Europe at the same time. Like, unbelievable coincidence. Like, you guys already had battled, I'm sure, a little bit. Not maybe this intensely, but you guys had already raced each other in the GPs. Yeah, no, for sure. The year before, he came out of nowhere and was smoking all of us. Like, who is, I didn't even really know who he was. And he came on the yeah. champ KTM team, and I remember in Germany beating us both motos, killing us in the sand. And it's like, yeah, we know who he is now. And yeah. I never really paid attention before. Like he came from, I don't know what place he's finishing before, but that race when started winning, and then that was it. And it was like, yeah. Then the next year we came together over. 
It yeah. might have been a year before that. I can't remember. Yeah, he might have been there. He yeah. said it was that was ninety nine, and then two thousand and in two thousand, yeah. he's like we, me and Dob. It was me and Dob and Brownie wasn't equal to us, and so I kind of yeah. thought I had him covered, and then you know uh, all of that yeah. started in America. So crazy bit of yeah fortune there for everybody. Yeah, no, over there was tough, and they they had the best bikes over there for sure. Right. Yeah, they're good riders, but like when I went to the sand race, everybody could qualify. Yeah, like, you were on a Honda, right? Race, I was like 16th and 17th qualifying, yeah. Yeah, a Honda. Right. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, your bike was not quite the KTM factory level when you were in Europe. Yeah, no, I mean, them guys rode sand good. I was kind of not the best sand rider, but being over there helped me more than anything riding it because I rode it when I was there a lot, but them guys were already good in it. Like They, they rode it good. What I do remember Southwick that year in 01. There was this big, you know, Pastrana versus Langston going into the Southwick, and then Pastrana kind of beat up, and then Langston hurts himself. But, Brownie, your first moto that year, 01, at Southwick, I could not believe how fast you were going. So, clearly, you did learn something about sand. Yeah. I mean, you were hauling yeah. in 2001. Yeah, no, I did like it. And, like, I wasn't in that battle with when you told where you're talking about them two going at it, who's going to be the fastest, who's going to win. And it's like I just sat back and – you know, I listened to it like, dang, this is going to be a good race. I want to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And then the second motor, I did win the first one. The second one, I think I crashed on the start. And I remember that race, I ripped my throttle, or not the throttle, the left grip off. And the, I don't know if the clutch was broke or whatever on the gate with a couple of guys. And then came back. Uh, but, yeah, that was that was a good win that day. What, uh, well, hey, so, oh, go ahead, Steve. No, I was just going to say, uh, go ahead, Weesh. The yeah the bike thing so you're, you're on pro circuit and obviously that's always going to be a good bike. Uh, Steve, who was on the team, likes to tell us behind the scenes the KTM thing was a, a bit of a mess, but their bikes were fast. Our no bikes doubt. were fast. Yeah. They were they were good. Uh, you know, Brownie, we had no linkage, so we moved the shock over. It was a straight shot through the airbox into the carburetor, and uh, we had forty millimeter carbs on there, so it was a super big uh, intake and lots of gas getting through. They were good bikes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know, and I think that made our bikes better. You know, Mitch like had it a couple years easy there, having the best bikes, and you know, you guys came over. You know, KTM came like yeah, that put him pushing for to make our bikes better, and I think it did. But you know, did improve yeah. that year. Brownie, I hated your mechanic, the English guy. I just no, you Steve. Yeah, we didn't like him. He was such a jerk off. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> we really didn't like him. He was just kind of arrogant. And we were like, shut up, dude. And he would mouth off all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we didn't like yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. So. The thing about it, he wasn't he was a Dobbs mechanic in England. Oh, he was? Okay. The year before, yeah. 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 And I never, he was never my mechanic, and I needed a mechanic. Or He said that I wanted about him. Steve said, I'd like to go. So I was yeah, easy. Yeah. I'm not oh. a hard rider to work with. So, yeah, let's go. And Brent Myron would re- would start his bike up at 7 in the morning and rev it wide open. Oh, yeah. And we're just like, what are you doing, dude? We, the race is yes, not for another yeah. two hours. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Good times. I, that? I, uh, that that's all That's all for me for the Lee at Re-Raceables with Brownie. And uh, thanks to Scott and Maxis. Anything else for Mike Brown? Weege? Uh, Brownie, I think I think you've told me this story before. Isn't there some crazy deal where there was like a bottle of people thought it was a bottle of water, but it was a bottle of vodka or something like that in the, in the, one no. of the pro circuit trucks? What was that story? My father and I will bring a whole gallon of moonshine to the race, a gallon. Okay, and that was on Friday, so Saturday or Sunday, whatever, sitting on the on the top back there. So Jimmy Perry come in on Sunday morning for the race to make uh, coffee for everybody. So he thought it was a gallon of water. So he takes some water, pours it in the coffee machine. Makes it, brews it up, 
goes and has Mitch a cup of coffee. Like, what the fuck in this shit? What'd you do? And it was freaking moonshine, clear moonshine made up coffee. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and after the race, uh, that didn't last long. Everybody was drinking the moonshine. So, yeah, it was it was a pretty good one there. Jimmy Perry did it. So if you ever see him, you have to ask him what the heck he put in that coffee that day. <laughs> nice. Oh, that is epic. It. Hey, you you really might have invented something there. Coffee made with moonshine. We might be honest. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that would be selling now for sure. I didn't think of that. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Luckily, you did not. you did not get a cup of coffee that day. No, no, but you can smell it when you walked in. You can smell the alcohol in the in the thing, but nobody thought it was gas. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it, yeah. It was, yeah. Everybody knew it was a, a clear water, but it was a gallon of moonshine. Oh man, um, uh, incredible! Uh, do you remember after the race? Was there any? You remember a celebration or where you guys went to dinner or, or whatever no, uh, after the fact? Nothing at all. Um, I went straight back to the hotel that night. We didn't think we stopped there. We stayed there and did our thing and went to the hotel because we flew out that morning early to go test the motocross the nation's bike. So we back to California. I didn't go home. I went there with Ricky and I think Wyndham was going out too. We're all going out there to ride and I did. Went road all week and flew back home and then it, all the September 11th happened. Yeah, real minute. So you didn't even really celebrate the title. You were already like, Nothing. we got to handle the nation. No way. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't oh. do anything. Hmm. And uh, so I did the AMA banquet, but that was it. Yeah. But, yeah. And, of course, uh, was it even a little crazy at the truck, at least? Like, you know, 6 o'clock Saturday? Was it a little? Or Sunday? Was it a little crazy at the race? A little bit. Not bad. I think they were drinking the moonshine and all that, but. No, nobody <laughs> yeah, was trying to. Nobody was trying to. Anything like that. Hey, so nobody I'm, was. I'm happy. Nobody was trying Go to blow ahead. your. Nobody was trying to blow your bike up like they do now? No, I don't think so. No. It might have got red a few times, but uh, no, I don't think I even spun the tires. I think I got off of it at the finish line, and that was it. <laughs> I, li- I like Jeez. it. Um, yeah, you Jeez. know what, Brownie? You know, oh one, of course, September 11th happens, and the team doesn't go, and then we all know what happens in '05, right? '05 was the other one. Um, yeah. Yeah, bummer. You never got to represent America when you had you know claims to go know. a couple of times. Yeah, real real bummer for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that would have been another nice achievement to do. But yep, uh, yeah, it's all right. Weird. Well, weird. Man, what a season! What a race! Two thousand and one, Steel City. Uh, thanks for the time, Brownie. Really appreciate it, man. You're welcome. Thank you guys for having me on. All right, appreciate it. See ya. Okay, thanks, Brownie. Bye, guys. Yep. See you. All righty. See you. Bye. All right, good stuff. Uh, surprisingly, pretty candid, Weege. Like, like you know, saying how embarrassed he was. About that stuff uh, and, and all of that, like that was a that was a little different Mike Brown interview. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, as I said in it, like I did laugh, I did find it hilarious, but I think it was awesome. Like I, I, I had no problem with the flip off. I'm just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, these guys. This is what you want, right? You want to know that these guys want it bad and they hate each other and they'll kill and maim and do whatever it takes to win. And I think that's awesome. It's hilarious, but I think that's what we all like about sports. But, man, Brownie didn't let that go. He was highly embarrassed over yeah. flipping someone off after yeah. winning a moto. Yeah, exactly, right? And he doesn't remember saying that, uh, the thing at Bud's Creek about, like, who's who's Langston? Like, and then, you know, all of that stuff. Like, yeah, he uh, – wow, yeah. Mike Brown, everybody. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think this really paints the picture probably better than any interview. Okay, Brownie's hard to get a hold of, but we've all talked to him here and there. The whole Mike Brown story is that there's the Mike Brown, the regular guy, nicest guy ever, and then there's Mike Brown, the racer, uh, who's a completely different guy. 
super aggro. And I think this is the best I've seen Mike himself uh, articulate that, you know, that when the helmet goes on, he wants to effing win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? Uh, yeah. No, it's it's great. So, yeah, that, that stuff is, uh, is fantastic. And uh, thank you to Scott Sports. They've been providing the best goggle technology to all motorsports disciplines for over 50 years. Scott's the global leader in innovation, technology, and design. Scott has always been proud to support racing from grassroots all the way to dudes like Anderson, PC, Caleb Russell, Chad Weenan, Walker Fowler. They choose a quality product and support from Scott. Scott is excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the Re-Raceables podcast. Uh, Scott, the only goggle made in the USA, and we will have a code very shortly for Scott uh, glasses and Noto products. So, yeah, thanks to the folks at oh, Scott. Nice. And if you want to save at Liat, uh, I have a code as well to pass on to you people. Simply email me using a contact form on pulpamex.com and uh, tell me you want to get the Liat code. I'll send you something. You can use it online and get yourself some Liat product. Uh, also, thanks to the folks at Max's Tires. Alex Ray, Jace Kessler, Cade Clayson, all using Max's tires on the SGB Honda team for next year. Uh, some guy named McGrath. We got to get him on one of these. We each, by the way. Uh, he developed. I can't believe we haven't. Now I know, that I think right? about it. Uh, he can't. Um, I can't believe it either. Uh, he developed the uh, Max's tire, MXST. So light truck tires, mountain bike tires, uh, trailer tires, Maxxis.com for more information on the Lee at Re-Raceables. Um, Good stuff from Brownie. Uh, good, great stuff from GL, of course, and also Weege. Uh, the the race, uh, the guy that was in the middle of the race, uh, Randy Richardson, like you said, he he did all the tires for Michelin. He's been a at this point, he was a uh, maybe fifteen year employee of Michelin, maybe a little bit less, and he is still there today. So I think he's yeah. he's like thirty year employee now or whatever. Yep. Um, and so he's working for Michelin. Michelin coming to the sport in a big way in two thousand uh, with factory KTM team, uh, and then they did Suzuki. And but he grew up riding and racing and being around Mike Brown, as he'll tell us. So he's been helping Grant Langston try to beat Mike Brown all season long, and Travis Pastrana, Michelin rider also. Um, so Randy was massively involved in all of this in a peripheral way. And uh, so it's really always good to talk to uh, to FMIP. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best personalities in the sport. And um, same back then. Like, uh, I didn't actually realize I had not put that together, that you're the mechanic and he's the tire guy. So I'd forgotten that you and uh, Randy had this relationship since all the way back then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I didn't know him at all, you know, in 2000 when Michelin uh, supported the team. But, like, his personality and my personality, right, we just instantly, like, we... I yeah, can't even imagine. Yeah, we instantly yeah. got together, and, and I'm like, this guy's awesome, and he probably liked me, and so we became fast friends all year long, um, as you'll hear, funny story in this interview. Uh, yep. So let's get to Randy Richardson to talk about uh, 2001 Steel City, Michelin, Brownie, GL, and all of that right now. All right, everybody, now, as promised on the Lee at Re-Raceables, uh, presented by the folks at Maxis and Scott, we have another man uh, that was at Steel City 2001, had an integral part in uh, in the championships uh, for both guys, really, when you think about it. Uh, at the time, working for Michelin Attire Support and still at Michelin, and our buddy Randy Richardson. What's up, uh, FMIP? How are you? Oh, man, doing good. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me a part of this. Uh, I, I think it's kind of a pity call because you left me out of Fight Club, but right, either way, right, I'm honored to be right. a part of it. Yep. Uh, what a day. What a race. Obviously, part one had GL in it. Part two, we've already heard from Mike Brown. Uh, and it's funny, so I guess before we get into, obviously, uh, Grant ran Michelin's and, and you were the tire supplier for Red Bull KTM. Take us through your relationship with Mike Brown, though, like and when that started and how that went. So, uh, yeah, and I, I met Brownie 
probably in the, I guess, early 90s, you know, going to Muddy Creek. And, and so not that, that far, but yet, you know, 10 years, 11 years prior to that. So yeah. met him in the, in the maybe late 80s, early 90s, just at Muddy Creek. He was a legend there. And, and I was a uh, C-class racer, uh, just, just trying to figure it out. So met him there. And then as years progressed and I developed, uh, you know, a little bit of a riding area at my, behind my dad's place of business, and which then became a full board like, supercross track way back in the day. Brownie would come down and ride a lot, practice mm-hmm. there. So that's where I, where I really uh, got to, to hang out with him most was there. So we talked about in uh, episode one, we talked about Beaker, who uh, mm-hmm. uh, was that a Thor rep, you know, and, and Thor, both guys wore Thor, and he had printed number one jersey for GL and obviously printed the one for Brownie and all of that. But you're helping GL uh, all that summer with Michelin product, and of course Kelly Smith as well, uh, super team that Kelly Smith and I were. Um, yeah, yeah. Now what did he get in that last race? What did he get? That uh, this is we're focusing on, on we're focusing oh, on, uh, okay. on GL and Brownie. <laughs> okay. But um, okay. <laughs> was Brownie giving you shit all summer? Was he? Was he? Because we talked about the rivalry. We talked about how the two teams didn't like each other and all of that. Uh, was Brownie giving you shit all summer? Not really. No, I, I would say that uh, I would say that our relationship was just more more quiet, really. Yeah, yeah, not, not a lot uh, of talk. You, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because we'd had uh, we'd always had you know a great friendship, and then that was my you know first full year on the circuit and managing this. Of course, we'd gone through Supercross, and and uh, Travis had won the Supercross championship there on the East and rolls into the outdoors, and and, and I would. I would end up on a lot of the same flights uh, as as Brownie and then Ricky Carmichael and that whole entourage because you know Brownie was staying down there, so we'd be on flights together a lot, and it was just kind of quiet more so than anything, <laughs> um, you know. Uh, but there wasn't any, you know. Brownie never gave me any, you know, BS or anything about it like that, like, like Ricky would about me helping Kata. That's kind of where there was some chirping was coming more so from RC through right, the years. But. Right. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah, I, I don't even mean like necessarily like. Just bugging you more than anything, not like being serious about giving you shit. Just, just you know, bugging you. Yeah. No, not really. No, it, it was, it was good. It was all cordial. I mean, he, we, we each were there to do our respective jobs. You know what I mean? And uh, so I was putting you know, all of my effort into and applying all of my skill sets to try to do my job best as I could, and, and they were doing the same thing. So it was, it was, it was respectful and cordial. Michelin got you know, that. I didn't, uh, realize, uh, oh. I didn't realize that this is really KTM kind of taking off for the first time steve you're on the team the previous year you still said in 2001 it still was barely a factory level operation and i didn't know that the michelin situation for you folks was actually pretty new at this point as well so there must be a lot of learning growing figuring out how things work and both i guess your program and the team then because this is all new for everybody it sounds like yeah absolutely and and we had worked with uh competition direct so we had sourced some presence to represent Michelin at the races. And, and that was in, in 99 and 2000. So, uh, so we had a company doing that there, but then when we, we secured a true factory team, uh, that being Suzuki and, and KTM both, then, uh, my role changed within the company to, to attend every single race. So yeah, that definitely was some, some growing pains and, and some learnings along the way, but uh, and, yeah, and you're right. You got that high point 2000 win. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh-oh. Absolutely. We sure did. Yep. We sure did. Put That put us on the map, and uh, it didn't put your name on a plaque, but it put us on the map. For sure. <laughs> right, right. Uh, or or put you put Matt in the uh, in the ad as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Put put us on the mat, the Matt Walker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so all right. So that day, obviously, we we've recapped the summer, um, and 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 how Travis had a huge lead and crashed it away, and then uh, it comes into into this race. And th- what about Weege loved the fact, uh, Randy? I don't know if you remember this. Brownie won the first moto, then flipped GL off. Do you remember oh, that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. With, 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 uh, that was probably, that was probably if, if Brownie had a heart rate monitor on, that was probably where he peaked that moto was, was when he <laughs> flipped that bird. Um, okay. yeah, Brownie's an, he's an intense guy. The mo- you know, one of the more competitive people I've ever seen, uh, you know, ever encountered. And, and uh, yeah, he took it, he took that very serious. What's funny is, is that moto, in that corner, the farthest one, like close to the entrance, uh, close to, um, close to Mike uh, Jones house that yeah, end, yeah. it's where, uh, you know, Brownie really ran it in there on Langston early in that moto. And then later, uh, Langston ran it in there ish on Brownie in that last lap. And, mm-hmm. and of course that's what Brownie said he was mad about, but <clears throat> it looks like rewatching the race as I did a while back. It, it's, um, they don't show the whole race nowadays, so you don't uh, you don't see everything. So I don't I don't know you know where some beating and banging may have taken place, but uh, but they both uh, were were aggressive in the same corner, and then and then Brownie did flip him off. Yeah, you must have stories since you saw Brown in all facets, like at the races during the week, whatever. Like mm-hmm. the the two sh- sides of Mike Brown, and he told us this year, like he was embarrassed over flipping someone off after winning a moto, but at the same time he admitted he's like, yeah, when it's race time. Like he's just a different person, and I, dude, I see Langston and Brown to this day three or four times a year. They'll end up at the same place at the same time, and I can't believe when I see them just hanging out, shaking hands, because it seemed like blood feud. Uh, so you surely have seen the two sides of Mike Brown, the gentleman, Southern gentleman, Mike Brown, and the helmet on psycho. I have it, to win at all costs, Mike Brown. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think uh, though though the. Uh... Uh, the medical result, I think, is a little bit different for each rider. I think a lot of riders, when they when they put their helmet on, maybe it cuts off some circulation of the brain. And they think okay. differently, but uh, <laughs> you know, some get more uh, competitive. And and you know, I listened to the the part one of this where um, Grant talked about how you know Travis was just so howdy doody polite and bought him snow cone and then put a helmet on and was just slamming him in every corner. And <laughs> and these guys. They 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 live that. That's what they did, right? So, um, yeah, Brownie's yeah Brownie's super uh, gentleman, polite guy, and in every way. But man, put a helmet on him, and he's he's a he's a warrior, a Viking, right? So, do you remember? Yeah. Obviously, this would have been a big deal for Michelin to win this title, and and you know, back in France, you were in direct communication with those guys and what was going on. Probably not giving Kelly Smith the real good stuff, but that that's another podcast for another time. Um, we're <laughs> Was anybody from Michelin there? Were they, you know, very interested in this championship? And and and, and did it hurt Michelin? You know, when a wheel comes apart. Now, well, we can get into the fact that it was not the tire, and they knew the tire, and all of that. But was from a wheel breaking, losing a championship? That's a huge deal for Michelin in their second year in North America. What were some of the drama and politics going over in France, and and the things that you had to deal with? Um, nothing, uh, nothing real drama as far as that goes. We definitely were out. It was devastating, uh, cause we had t-shirts made too. So I had to throw those away, <laughs> but, uh, 
but uh, now for for you know, I think like I for me, it would have been a big deal for us, right? Yeah. And, and we 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 had secured uh, the Travis had won the championship that year in the East, um, so that was that was great. And then to have the two of them, Travis and Grant, kind of going back and forth with with the lead throughout the year we're like okay this is really going to be good because we're going to win this championship with one or the other right. and then for it to literally fall apart was was devastating um not really any pushback anyone from france you know i i, I took a number of photos after uh, they took the bike back to the rig and then took the wheel off and everything um to to, to showcase just to show that the, the bead of the tire had never displaced from the, the right position it should be on the rim um and that's what i was mainly worried about yeah it was devastating and i had put my heart and soul into my job but but nothing compared to the racers and the mechanics and you know the team and trainers and everyone like that so for me it was just you know it was kind of a sigh of relief that all right well it wasn't anything that that i did or it wasn't anything related to a product failure on on our part um it just was another situation of the broken spokes that you guys referred to in part one so you Sunday night, those photos went to Michelin France and said, "Hey, we lost the type championship. You all know what happened. Here's photos." Is that the type of stuff that happens? Mm, it probably, would, uh, it, yeah, not not Sunday night, but yeah, yeah, the first part of the week, I would have got them back to them uh, yep. quickly and and just gave a, a race report that I would do, which at that time I would include you know any critical rider feedback or, or, or concerns or things that we can improve upon and track conditions and, and stuff like that. And then a report regarding which of the race spec tires that, that each rider used for the conditions, because, you know, I, I know you're joking about the thing about Kelly Smith, uh, not getting quote the good stuff, but my job there was to make every single tire, you know, uh, available to any rider. And if someone chose tire A, B, or C, then, then that's what they could choose. But, but I made sure, um, everything that we offered or everything that we had available was available to every single rider. And that, and that actually was a little point of contention with, with the Langston crew at Millville earlier that year. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, yeah. So Millville being sandy down on the bottom and, and kind of more clay up on the hills, um, Travis was really strong in practice and had some fa- significantly faster lap times, like three seconds a lap faster or whatever. And then Gerald came over and asked about, is there anything I could do to the tire to help it improve the performance in the sand for Grant? And I said, well, sure, I can, I can make some cuts and modify some stuff. So modified the, the back edge or the braking edge of the center knob and kind of chamfered that or made a cut more like what you see now with a lot of brands, including us, have a true sand tire that's kind of cut on the back edge and and that and that and that in the second practice session on saturday right and then uh and he was like then he was on pace lap times with travis and uh so gerald came over and asked could they get a couple more of those for to, for the next day on sunday for both motos and i said yeah i'm going to take probably 15 or 20 of these back to the hotel and cut them right and he says whoa we're not going to see this on on Pastrana's bike tomorrow, are we? <laughs> and and you know, and I said, yes, you will. It'll it'll be in the first practice session, because you know, for me, my job was to provide solutions for the racers, and and in that case, I did mount the thing up for Travis and told him why we did that and what the performance gains would be. And he rate, went out and rode practice with it, and then um, he he said, no, nah, I just didn't didn't have as good a braking on the clay, which was be true. That would be one of the sacrifices. Um, so he elected not to use it, and and I think he may have elected to to leave and go to the X Games. <laughs> but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So, uh, but that's funny. Yeah. So you felt, um, you know, not or I don't know if required is the word, but the thing to do was to offer everything, everything, everyone, everything you had, mm-hmm. all the tools in your toolbox. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, yeah, but the racers probably don't want that. Yeah. That, yeah. That would, they didn't see it that way, you know? And, yeah. and for me, I wasn't, I, I wasn't, uh, it was nothing political, you know? So, so whether it was Roderick Thane that, that was riding around further back or, or, you know, if it was any of the riders, if it was Pingree who, you know, wasn't admittedly, he's not a great outdoor rider guy. Um, you know, I gave him this exact same option and we installed our Michelin bib moose inside of every single tire for, all the KTM riders and all the Suzuki riders uh, front and rear all season long. So, uh, were you at uh, Southwick? I mean, you went to every race. I'm sure you're mm-hmm. at Southwick that year, right? Yeah, that was that was an all time drama uh, race with basically Langston and Pastrana both saying they were going to win, and yeah. then Langston <laughs> got hurt, and then somehow toughed it out, and then Brown ends up winning a moto. Um, it was a pretty crazy day. Do you remember that one? Um, somewhat, it, it doesn't stand out as, as much, but, uh, you know, but it's, but yeah, the, the thing I remember there was, is mainly, uh, Travis, you know, supposedly had this pink, no fear gear that he was, uh, uh, because I think Langston had said he was going to beat Travis like a girl or something like that, something about getting beat like a girl or whatever. Yeah, and then, yeah. so, so Travis had a bunch of pink gear, pink, no fear gear, pink helmet and everything. And, and I thought it was pretty respectful that once Grant got hurt, Travis didn't wear that. Right. But that gear existed. It really did. He was going yeah, to that, do this. Yeah, yeah. Malcolm McCassie was the one asking me, "Hey, do you have a Michelin logo in pink?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> no, we don't. No, we have we have really strict corporate colors. We don't have any Michelin logos in pink. Um, I can send you, you know, a white one. You know, just with a white print." Oh, okay. So yeah, oh, there's man. there's pink gear somewhere. I don't know where that is. I wonder, but yeah, it's got to go on eBay somewhere. Maybe they can, uh, you know, the month of October would have been a great time. They could have they, auctioned it off. You could have, uh, you know, Beaker shirts, your T-shirts, uh, Beaker yeah. GL shirts, and then uh, the Gosh. pink, yeah, the logos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just unbelievable for you to have a front row seat to really one of the most enjoyable, one of the most dramatic just on points and how it ended. But when you think of the three personalities uh, involved with Brown, Langston, and Pastrana, they're all legends. I mean, geez, what a what a phenomenal summer and so many ups and downs, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Three three completely different uh, iconic uh, personalities and and, uh, and legendary you know guys within the sport, right? For different reasons, but to have all the three of them, uh, well, Travis was already knocked out by them, but have all three of them throughout that year and then come down to to Grant and, and Brownie and and again battling it out like they did the previous year in the motocross GP. So yeah. you, you heard the the part where I was saying, you know, Kelly didn't qualify, and I was I think I was the first guy to say, hey, check out that wheel, you know, it looks like it's wobbly. Do you remember being like, because at the time, this could easily be a tire problem, right? Nobody knows that. Do you remember just like your heart, your, your stomach just feeling very upset watching this go on? Yeah, my my heart rate was probably higher than Brownie's when he flipped off. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely, because you see it from a distance, and you're like, wait a minute. And, and Davey, I think he comments on the broadcasts about it was like a clot of dirt stuck to the tire or something. Like it just looked something didn't look right. Yeah. And then, uh, and then when it came through, you know, uh, it, it for me because we always assume the worst. Like I was thinking, wait a minute, if the tire is somehow 
uh, if this, the bead has unseated from the from the rim or has displaced or something like that, it, it would probably visually look the same. So I was a little bit worried. Then that next lap, you know, I kind of ran across to a different place, which back then you, you could have 30 people out there running around all over the place, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And every, everyone had a towel. Right. Yep. But um, but I remember running over to a different area just to get another look at it. And, and I realized, man, that's spokes. That's that's definitely not good. That That's not yep. good at all. So do you uh, you want to tell the story of the unnamed tire person? I've covered that. I think I covered that in another podcast, didn't I? Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 I think we're good. I think we're good. <laughs> well, if you people want to go listen to, uh, I don't even know, maybe the one-on-one podcast that we did, you and I did uh, a while back. But, uh, yeah, this is the kind of stuff that goes on, right, at racing. And, uh, yep. Not, 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 not great. Um, so after the race, you go to KTM. And uh, you take photos, or do you go to Brownie's pits to shake a hand and congratulate Mitch and Brownie? Do you remember what you do after the race, first and then second? Yeah, I, I uh, the first thing I did, um, I, I I walked over and and again uh, that at that point in time, everything that was going to happen had happened, right? So right. there's no, you know, so, so I, I did walk, uh, you know, back up the hill there to where Brownie was and kind of waited till everything settled out and, and told him congratulations and a handshake or what have you. And, and his wife, Missy, you know, con- she gave me a hug and congratulated them. And, and I was, you know, genuinely, I was happy for them. I was devastated course, and frustrated yeah. and, 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 and ticked off, but, but I was happy for them. And then, and then you got to go do your job. I walked back down to uh, the starting line and started getting fitment information for the 250 uh, class, which was to follow. Um, so yeah, it was later that I went over to the truck okay. and, yep. and, uh, and, and by that time they'd taken the wheel off and, and I think according to Silverage or someone there, they were saying that, you know, yeah, they, they were going to, they were going to send that whole uh, wheel assembly um, back to Austria that they wanted to see it as is. And, wow. you know, so so uh, I, I made gu- the call, yeah. Because I guarantee yeah, you that yeah, did, I guarantee you that didn't happen. We were it probably so, didn't. It's probably no, somewhere yeah. in Ohio. Yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah, somewhere yeah. <laughs> somewhere in Ohio it's, under a pizza box. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but but yeah. So that's that's just what I did. But yeah, I took some photos of it, and and then uh, and that was it, man. That was it. Kind of, and then started you know, do the rest of the two fifty class stuff, and then tear down a tent and go home. Yeah. Hey, Wyndham did win the two fifty class that day, so congrats. Mitchell. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, he went, yeah, he yeah. He went one one, and that was uh, it was bittersweet. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And 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 you know what's funny is, in and Wyndham even said like in his interview about it that he he disagreed with uh, he disagreed or disappointed that RC was dropping back to ride the one twenty five cc class. That he didn't he didn't think the AMA should allow him to do that. Oh, yeah. even though he won, he won without Carmichael no, well, being there. Well, yeah, and I, and I think it was probably before the race. Um, okay, but but yeah, but that was a, a quote. Yeah, I watched it back to kind of refresh my memory on it, and and yeah, that's something that Kateb said, and and then uh, said, well, if he wants to get that title or get that number of wins, he thinks he should race a full season. Which you know, that's all, right. all an opinion, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, he he got a nice win bonus that day. <laughs> yeah, he, that he did. Yeah, that he did. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, but it was yeah, truly a devastating day. Just uh, all that stuff just falling apart like that, and and I think David Baylor referenced the Rick Johnson having that problem. What was that? Was that 84? 80, 80, 82. 82, 82, yeah. 82, yeah. yeah. And but yeah, so that type thing is uh, yeah, another devastating. Uh, another one in uh, 80, 84, Colorado Motti, an Italian guy on a Kajiva 
125 World Championship. He had like a 15-point lead or a 14-point lead uh, going in the last round and broke his leg in practice and lost the title. No to, lost the title to Rinaldi. But uh, that's another. Wow. That was another last race. You know, massive swing. Yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Crazy. But this, yeah, and I don't. I don't think there's any of them that are like this where you have these these. Uh, you know, to, to, to what you pointed out, two completely different personalities, and and like you, like you all talked on on the first one, the 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 attitude between the pro circuit team and the KTM team, and and that that kind of bitterness back and forth, and and then Brownie and and uh, Langston bringing their their stuff from the previous year in Europe, bringing that back here and going head to head again, and then it going literally down to two laps before the finish and, and it all falls apart. So definitely, uh, I think a one-off or one of a kind event. And, you know, I, I rewatched it too recently and Weege was right. Uh, when he was talking about it, um, or talking about it with Brownie, the Brownie's Brownie's, uh, moto was amazing. That was an amazing ride. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He fell twice in, the, in that last moto. He fell yeah. twice. And, and then because he fell, you know, going up the hill, that one that they show, you know, like he's really, he's falling, people are just going by him. But then later in the moto on the, like the pit side or the main spectator side, he, he fell over in another corner, just stepped over and got up and got going again. So to have two falls and come back that far is, is truly a ride of a lifetime for him. So, so yes, Langston's wheel fell apart, but, but Brownie, you know, he earned the championship on that day. He did his job. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Lee at Reraceable. Oh. His tires were hooking up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brownie's, Brownie's Bridgestones were hooking up great, for sure. For uh, sure. Lee at Reraceables, <laughs> Lee at com. Thanks to Maxis. And uh, of course, thanks to the folks at Scott, of course, for uh, coming on board as well. Uh, b- both riders were in Scott goggles on this day as well. So, um, all right. Anything else, Randall? From that nothing day? I can think of. Uh, nothing I can think of at, at this point. Uh, again, uh, this. Uh, a big, big day. Um, yeah. And uh, thanks for letting me relive it. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. People enjoy the fact that when we called uh, Brownie for this, we called him and he was able to squeeze in our call between boot camp session ending and he already had a bike loaded in the truck to go racing. For yeah. Them. Yeah. Really? Oh, well, yeah. Well, that, that, <laughs> those details don't surprise me as much as you actually got Brownie on the phone. But yeah. that's even more it, dude it was surprisingly easy no problem like really yes I, I i still you know 2021 has been weird you know every covid and so maybe brownie has you know just changed <laughs> like maybe he's just part of the vortex of weirdness that this year is because it was super easy to get a hold of mike brown that's yeah, it, maybe the weirdest thing that's happened in the last two years is that Brown just picked up the phone for a shot. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Hey, and see, you said that what you in the first one you said that I punked you or something. Oh yeah, right. Yes, you did. Um, I think we've told this story before, but you you got me good because so. Do you remember all year? Uh, I think it was this year. I think it was oh one. You know, I I was talking about how you know, me and your mom would know each other and we would we got to know each other oh, yes and, yes you know and and then you know i was i was eating a sandwich yes. because of your yeah, mom he, and he, he hey so no he, he would have say yeah well when i got finished your mom made me a sandwich so he's just that's just that's what he would always say yeah and i don't know yeah. like and, and we had that we would always just banter and back and forth and and at the time 
obviously your 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 banter was weak because that's all you had. And then I would just come back with something about your weights. That was all I had. Mm-hmm. And we just went back and forth like that. And then and it was at a race uh, that my parents actually came to. I don't know which one. But anyway, my parents came to the race and I said, hey, mom, I want you to do. Do me a favor and I'll play oh, a trick no. on this buddy of mine. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. so I have so I have my mother, sweet Miss yes. the sweet Miss Richardson. Dee Dee Richardson, yes. this little Southern Belle. She just walks over and <laughs> and says, Steve, Steve <laughs> gets him. She said, Yes. And he has no idea who it is. He said, I made you a sandwich. <laughs> and Steve uh. just looks so Steve just looks so puzzled. <laughs> he like, said, he says, and Randy's weird. like, you what? don't Randy's like, you guys don't know each other? This is my mom. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> Randy. Oh, yeah. Oh. Hey, and, 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 I, and I, my mom will, thankfully, she's still alive, but she will go to her grave without hearing that one. So, yeah. Uh, yeah it was, she, she wouldn't find it. She wouldn't find it near no, as funny as we did. No, not at all. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. I remember that one. I just being, I'm just shaking my head going, mother fucking Randy. <laughs> um, also, uh, that year, too, uh, we each, or no, it was the year before. Uh, uh, Kelly Smith wasn't happy with one of the Michelin tires and wa- thought that thought the compound of the knob was too, too hard. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so he brings this tire thing to the race. <laughs> I don't know that it was the tire thing. It, I think it was just the thing thing. R- 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 we, it's, <laughs> it's two rollers with the spikes on it. Okay. What? He, he tells me he puts the, we get the tire put on. He tells me to go behind the truck where this thing was. It's, it's just flat on the ground, right? It's, just, it's a heavy thing, two rollers, and tenderize the tire with these what? spikes. So you put the tire yes. in between the rollers and then just go, so, and tenderize. So you, know, you know how you, how you see people on these road bicycle trainers, you know, like the, the, the ones where the, the, the front tires are rolling on two, the front tires, you know, rolling and the rear tires rolling on these two cylinders. It, I never saw it, thank God. Yeah, uh, so. Yeah, I, it would have went in the scrap bin. I'm... Sitting behind the truck on and rubber's flying off this tire, and I'm like, <laughs> this seems like a bad idea. But my rider told me that the knobs were too stiff, so okay. So yeah. we we do this, and then in the moto, the tire completely like it goes completely south. Right? There's no tr- by the end. There's like barely any knobs left because this thing has just been tenderized by these spikes. And Randy's like. <laughs> Huh? And I'm like, Randy. I'm like, what happened? And and the, and the, and ironically, the other uh, you know seven or eight riders who were using that exact same tire and compound didn't have any problem with the knobs being quote too stiff. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Randy exactly. and, and Randy's just like, like what? What happened? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh huh, gosh, Randy. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I tenderized the tire. <laughs> I tenderized the tire, Randy. And I remember Randy. <laughs> Randy went like, "Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do yeah. that. Don't." <laughs> As you do that one more time, my mother will never make you another sandwich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and and we we know we've known Randy for a long time. He's a joking. He's a funny guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's a very you're, you're a very easygoing guy, Randy. You were dead serious, and you're just like, "Don't do that." No, no, that that pissed me off. That yes, yes, me off. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it it pissed me off almost as much as okay, uh, the 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 Jacob Marsack Award, right? Why? Okay, what do you mean? Right? Yeah. Okay. So one time we had gotten, I had gotten like a shipment of what was going to be our Starcross uh, 
sand four, which was a sand, a true sand tire. And I had gotten like, I had gotten like uh, 10 of them, you know, air freighted in for Southwick. Right. And, and back then it still had a con had the asphalt start behind the gate, then in front of the gate, then you went to sand. Right. Mm -hmm, which yep. is the stupidest thing in the world. But anyway, um, so I only had a very limited quantity of them. And so I had them for, uh, the Suzuki riders and what have you. And then, uh, and then Jacob Marthek's dad, he was riding 125s. His dad was begging me for one of those tires. Right. And I said, look, I, you know, he's a privateer. I'm trying to help you. Uh, but, but if I have some takeoff from practice, I'll, I'll, I'll get one for you. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, so I, I had one, so I give him one for the motos and, and I go, Mount it up, give it to him. I go down to the starting line to do fitments, and I'm making my way on one end. And coming the other end is the other person that we we mentioned. And so Doug from Bridgestone is coming from the other way, and he he looks at me, he says, "You know that's not legal." And I'm I'm like I'm like, yeah. what's not what's not legal? He said, "That's not legal. You can't have a paddle tire." And I'm like I'm like Doug, it's it's a it's a it's an approved, it's a, it's a sand tire. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then I, I make my way on down there and I, I kid you not, I get down there and, and Jacob Marsak's dad had taken like, like shoe goo or some type of glue. Um, <laughs> and had, and, and it filled in between. So the knobs have to be, have to be spaces between the yeah, knobs, yeah, right. Yeah. So to make it legal. So that it's not a Jimmy Weiner, you know, paddle yeah, tire, right. Yeah, That's yeah. where that all came from. Right. But he had, he had somehow in that amount of time since I'd mounted that type, he had glue that he had glued. It was the most hodgepodge thing. And I've, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever been more pissed off at a human being in my life than, really? than for yeah, him to. Yeah. yeah, I was <laughs> furious. And then he, he glued he, paddles onto it. No, 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 no. So, so you have to look at. The, so he glued the spaces about between the knobs. He filled the spaces between the knobs. So going oh. left or right across the tire, like a little a little gap. He had yeah. he had filled them in with some type of glue and like and I'm like I'm like what are you doing? He said it should, it should work better in the sand. I'm like. And, you know, if I'd had time, I'd just sort of taken the tire back from him. Right. But but and then so funny enough, he goes and does a parade lap and comes back. And thank God, all that this hodgepodge glue he had put in there had just slung out. Just right, gone, tire yeah, casing, yeah. Flexing. Yeah. But uh, but uh, but I was, I've never been more mad at, at, at someone. So so that's when I went from being yeah funny, jovial Randy to taking something very serious because yeah. that that. that the, put me at uh, yeah. at odds with other tire guys, right? Right. We look like we're gluing the knobs to make a paddle. No, that's I, not. It's that's, that's not a me. slightly dumber idea than tenderizing the tire. So yeah, that was the yeah. That was. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, and it's what so and then and then now in my, in my what's his funniest like in my sales role now or what have you and, and going to bike week and all these other events. A lot of people when they when they start the conversation with, you know, <clears throat> I'm not a tire designer, but. <laughs> That's that's uh, that always they're, they're getting ready to give you something innovative, and uh, so usually when they, when they say I'm not a tire designer, then I said that's something you and I have in common. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, good times, it's, it's, good times. Neither uh, was Marsak's dad, and, or, and wherever Kelly Smith got this yeah, tire tenderizer. Tenderizer. Oh my god. Yeah, that's what Steve told me. I, I tenderized the tire. I'm like. You did what? And I remember yeah. doing it and looking behind me, and there was all this rubber on the KTM truck, on the on the side oh. of the KTM semi, like it was just flying off. And I'm like, this is not, this is not good. Yeah. Only oh. Michelin had a way to make a tire, uh, you know, casing and compound softer. I guess you just 
Just no yeah. way the tire company could produce such a thing. No, no way, no way. And 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 oddly enough, if we could just that make that same tire work fine for everyone else, but not be to, to Kelly Smith's liking. Ironically, good yeah. times. Well, uh, uh, Seal City two thousand and one, Michelin, uh, Grant Langston, KTM, all had a championship. Just yeah, slipped through the fingers for sure. Uh, tough, tough day for everybody uh, that I just mentioned, but. Randy, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Always good to catch up to you and uh, always fun stuff. Thanks for the time for the podcast. Absolutely, and, and thanks to Scott and Maxis for supporting these. I, I really like uh, these these trips back in time to learn about the behind-the-scenes stuff uh, on a lot of these iconic races. So so thanks to the sponsors, and thanks for you two for putting these together. Should we do uh, Charlotte 94, maybe, Randy? 95. Let's do it. 95. Yeah. What a race. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, we'll give you, maybe you get the Jacob Marsack Award. Maybe I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, Randy. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you. Yeah. That'd be yeah. great. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks, Randy. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. Have a great evening. Bye. See ya. Good stuff from Randy. Thank you for listening to uh, the Lee at Reraceables. <laughs> yeah, Randy's got some uh, got some stories, man. Yeah, and uh, you know, going back and watching this show, uh, the television broadcast, Davey is the pit reporter, as is the case with seemingly every one of these episodes we do. And the first thing he reports is that Langston has a flat tire. So, you know, looking back in hindsight, we know that it wasn't a flat tire, it was a broken wheel. But I had not thought of in that moment, right, in for a yes. minute or two, yep. the tire guy is probably like, oh my God, our tire is going to cost everybody the championship. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, this, this is it. The ultimate uh, nightmare for any tire guy. Because when you first saw it, and according to yourself, you might have been the first, did you think tire? Oh, yeah, yeah, something. something sure. Something, yeah, yeah, wheel, tire, something. Yep, yep, absolutely. Right. So um, yep. me standing on that hill with the headset on, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, oh, boy. What a day. Yep. Uh, so there was another race, though, at Steel City. There was something else going on. There was a final round of the uh, 250 Motocross Series. Um, of course, uh, Ricky Carmichael had moved down. We covered that. He was the the, the champion this year. Uh, I do notice, Weege, uh, this is September 2nd, 2001. Nine days later, the world would change, and there's plenty of MXDN talk on this po- on this broadcast because uh, Wyndham, Brown, and RC are going, and Art Ekman, of course, is with David Bailey and, and Davey, and lots of uh, designations talk uh, about going. Yeah, you know, you always say when we do these shows that you – remember things a certain way and you think they went that way and then you go back and watch them and they're different right that's yeah. what you always pick up from these yeah what what confuses me when i see these things now is i remember being there on these days when these races took place so i was at this race and the timing of how everything must have worked doesn't make any sense in my mind because you feel like the end of the day was brown and langston but it was not but i remember seeing this 250 moto that came up after it and also what really stands out to me is the schedule at the Nationals back then was so freaking relaxed. The reason it probably felt like the end of the day, there was probably like 45 minutes of dead nothing going on time between the end of that 125 drama and that 250 moto beginning. It felt like hours passed of the Langston Brown drama before this other moto started to the point where I remember sitting on a grass hillside like near the start, mm-hmm. looking, like uh, right by the finish line, right? Yep. I've just started at Racer X. Like, literally, this is, like, essentially my first day. And Davey's taking a break. He's sitting on this grass hillside. A couple other Racer X people. We're all hanging out. 
And we're like, oh, my God, Langston Brown, that was unbelievable. Pastrana was in it this year. This is crazy. Uh, what about next year? Next year is going to be so good. And I remember Davey saying, well, next year is going to be a lot different. People better get ready. And I'm like, Stewart? And he's like, yeah, he's probably already faster than all three of those guys. I'm like, faster than Pastrana? Come on. <laughs> and Davey's like, no, man. Like, they might have a great rivalry and a great battle next year, but there's a chance Stewart just walks everybody. And I'm like, that's impossible. That doesn't happen. Right, right. There's right, no way. Right. And he's like, no, that might have been everyone's last chance. And in the end, Langston does get the title in 2003 because Stu was hurt. But basically, Davey was right. He basically was right. Yeah. Yep. Enjoy the wins because when Stewart shows up, he's going to get almost all of them. Well, it's kind of like Albie's title, right? Like, hey, you grabbed a 250 national title because Ricky's coming and you're, yes. you're you're all screwed. And Albie and Henry snuck in under the wire, you know, from the McGrath yep. Emig days, you know, and then they snuck yep. in there and then it was over, right? So, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Stewart is 15 years old at the time of this race. He's not even old enough yeah, to be pro. And I, it's like, yeah, I would have been, yeah, I would have been pretty amazed at that too, because especially back then, I didn't follow amateurs, right? I'm in deep yeah. in the mechanic end of things. And Bradshaw's fourth out of Loretta's at Millville blew everybody's wig back. Like nobody got fourth right. at their first round. So if you had said, hey, this, this James Stewart kid's going to win, I, you know, I would have been like, no, 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 that's not going to happen, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, yeah. that, yeah, that's crazy. Um, yep. 250 class. I, I don't know how we had the time. I, what my point is, He's the TV pit reporter. How was their time to sit down, hang out, bench race for a while? And by the way, there's still yet another yeah, mode it's a good point. to go. It's a good the point. Nationals were so just cruise control. It yeah. took forever yeah. back then. No, they did. There was a Saturday practice, too, and everything. Yeah, we were out. We were yeah. hanging out a lot. Um, so Wyndham goes 1-1 on this. And, um, wow. Well, First of all, in second mode, Wyndham says Tim Ferry was going faster. So that's that's a nice mm-hmm. moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Wyndham, I, you know what was funny is I did the story on Kevin Wyndham's, you know, fall from grace um, as far as going from Suzuki to breaking his leg to, you know, having off-track issues then coming back with FC on the Honda 450. It's on Racer X now. You can read it. It's a long, long form about it. But you do forget his 01 season was okay on Suzuki. He was okay. 02, it, start, it went off the rails. Uh, but 01, you know, after he won Washougal, I think it was, he, he put in some good rides outdoors on a two-stroke. Um, you know, he, th- yeah, this wasn't, if you're Roger DeCoster and you're writing the checks, you're okay with this. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, that whole Wyndham storyline there, going from great to he's going to retire to coming back, whatever happened in the offseason between the end of 2001 and the beginning of 2002, yeah, because... Starts out 01, now on a Suzuki for the first time. Okay, but he gets really good. Yeah, by the end of the Nationals, he, he's able to beat Carmichael at times. Really good, although the guy's standards are so high. Wyndham goes 1-1 this day at Still City, and he still says it was a mediocre year. Yeah. Because I guess yeah. um, these dudes, if they don't win the title, the year's not that good. How about the interview on this broadcast with Wyndham? He basically, and you alluded to this on part one, he basically says, you know, I, I don't think RC should get – you sh- if you're going to go after that title, you should have to race that class all year. Uh, he goes, Mike Brown's a friend of his. He probably doesn't know Langston at all. Um, you know, it's not something that you should be able to do, the AMA. Like, Wyndham kind of rips Ricky for dropping down to 125s. And, and Bailey, Bailey goes, yeah, it's a bit of interference. Uh, Bailey doesn't like it either. Um, I know, but we just had a podcast with Bailey where the exact same thing happened. We had dudes from Honda pulling over for Bailey. I was shocked yeah. to hear these words. Yeah, but but the, but that was the same class. 
that was the same class. I think okay. I think Bailey was talk about talking more about moving down. Now he moved down in '85. And he mentions this in the broadcast. He says, you know, uh, I had my own little bit of uh, interference when I rode. Yes. And then he drops it yes. right away. He doesn't elaborate. but he that was explain in detail. Yes, because right. I remember there was some situation where Honda did have guys. Yeah, in 85, classes. they moved Omera up. or I'm sorry, they moved uh, they moved Dogger up, and they moved Bailey down into all the 250 class to help Osho try to win the title. Yes. It didn't work. but So Bailey, Bailey kind of doesn't like it either and then says, you know, I was doing this, but doesn't really go any further than that. And, and Wyndham was pretty harsh. Yeah, and uh, yeah. let's be honest, Wyndham, as I think I mentioned in the first show, got himself a nice one-one uh, win bonus. I would be pumped on it. Yeah, go ahead, Ricky, yeah. race another class. Yeah, Podcast absolutely right. Check. Yeah, great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Go ahead, RC, because uh, yeah. yeah, I just made you know hundred thousand uh, dollars. A couple things about yep. this race too that I remember. So, at I mentioned I was working for Kelly Smith. He didn't qualify. I was spotting for the team. At this point in the year, I had already done a deal with Larry Brooks to work for Ryan Hughes on the oh, Bud Light team. And so this oh, was going to happen. I was going to work for Rhino, and um, I'd kind of been screwed over in 99 uh, to stay for 2000. I think Brooks knew that and reached out to me and, and, and said, you know, hey, I got, I, I'm going to right the wrong, I think he said, absolutely, uh, actually. And so I was going to work for Rhino in 01 and, uh, on the Bud Light team, and then Rhino KOs himself on the factory um, – on the factory uh, Honda 450, this was their works rule exemption, um, right? Or was it a production bike? Uh, no, it was a works exemption. Well, yeah. then why he raced it all summer, right? Yeah, yeah, he raced it all year, but yep. then, but then, okay, so then f- on, on a side note, LaRocco's on a 450 here. Uh, I think they grabbed they, both. Yeah, so I don't know if LaRocco's on a production. Wait, is there a production one at this point? Well, maybe it came out and they put LaRocco on it. I don't remember. Yeah, because Rhino, right, I remember. I think LaRocco started... On a, a two-stroke. Like, toward the end. Started on a two-stroke, but I don't think he was just on a four-stroke at this race. I think it was the last couple. So, I yeah. guess at one point, they had two of them out there. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so, right. the, uh, on the back tabletop of Steel City, Rhino KOs himself, and, like, it's bad. It's a massive concussion and and everything else. And I remember thinking, like, he'd already had some issues with crashes, right? And I was like, well, this could be serious for my ride, for my job. Because, like, if... Oh, boy. Yeah. And it turns out Rhino didn't race again. And yep. they, Brooks kept saying, no, you're still good. I'm going to hire Nick Way. Don't worry about it. You're going to work for Nick Way. I'm going to hire Nick Way. Uh, and then that fell all fell through. And I tried to go back to KTM. And they, Ron Heben was then manager and told me to pound sand, which I probably would have told myself to pound sand then. But I, now, By the way, why did you choose? So you could have just stayed with KTM if you just never left. Yes. Yes. So why I, did you choose the other job? Uh, the other job was a better paying job. It seemed yeah. more uh, established. I didn't know who I was going to work for at KTM, uh, which rider, you know, because Kelly Smith was getting let go. So that uh-huh. was up in the air. I kind of thought, you know, working for Brooks and McGrath would be on a team with McGrath would be pretty damn cool. You know, all of that stuff. Um, and, and so, yeah, I kind of was like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, this is a better job. It paid better, had better hours, all that stuff. Um, so I had told Ron Heben, like, I'm out of here. Like, I remember telling Brooks, hey, can I tell them I'm out of here? Like, like oh. and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 go ahead. And dude oh. got screwed again, and so with Ryan, that I remember thinking that Rhino crash at Steel City. I'd already told him I was leaving, and I was like, "Oh boy, that's not good for me." Rhino laid out on the track. So, anyways, wow. that's in a side note because they mentioned this in the broadcast. Yeah, um, I had not put that together, and th- that crash then robbed us of there would have been a Rhino Mathis team. Yes, 
Yes. You guys would have had this much history together. Oh, it would have been fantastic. Would have been oh, fantastic. My God. Although I don't I think he was kind of normal back then. Right? What are you trying like, to say? What are you trying to say? Oh, exactly what I'm trying to say. I I, I don't okay. I think he was kind of normal. Um I had interactions with Rhino back then. Like nice yep. guy, normal guy, you know? So, um but anyways, yeah. So I was I was out. Um and then yeah, and then I was supposed to, and that's how I ended up working for Nick Way because we were going to work together on the McGrath team, and we were both kind of screwed. And we looked at each other and went, "Well, you know, we got each other. I'll be your mechanic. You can be the rider. Triple X. You know what I mean? That's how." It worked. Wow. So, yeah. uh, and then ironically, um, Brooks ends up being the KTM manager. Yes. However, that like uh, right? two, two years later, yeah, whatever, yeah. three years later, yeah, whenever he, yeah. Been, yeah. Um, yep. Okay, so a couple things from this way. Wyndham checks out one one. See you later. But JSR. John Sebastian Waugh pulls the holy on a two-stroke against John Dowd and everybody up a hill. So good job for JSR on a privateer two-stroke. I remember that um, a couple times. I think he did that at High Point once, even yep. a few later, years later when later. there's been more four-strokes. Yes, yeah. Um, on a two-stroke. Yeah. Also, I asked um, one of your Canadian buddies, not you. I asked somebody. I'm like, how the hell did he pull a whole shot? Or no, I said, why? Why is he riding a two-stroke when every privateer just automatically picks a Honda 450? And he said, because he hauls ass on it. And I'm like, okay. No, right, fair enough. Um, yep. So that's awesome. Uh, JSR, good guy. And uh, um, also, I, uh, Red Dog, my buddy Tim Ferry, he's on Factory Yamaha with Villaman at this point. And this track is dry and dusty and slick, right? This is Steel City at its at its prime. And D, uh, Timmy goes, there's a there's an uphill, off-camber up a hill. I think it's by that uphill double that I cased it on in industry race. And DV has to carry all his speed and go way wide, and Timmy just goes brrr, up the inside right by him like he's standing still. Like you're just like, oh, yeah, slippery uphill off camber. Yeah, watch the fourth stroke. Watch this, right? So Red Dog uh, blows by Villeman, and I'm just like, oh, fourth stroke life. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. John Dowd this year, privateer KTM guy, we were helping him uh, through the factory team a little bit, and Dowdy, good dude, of course, Ron Bushy. His mechanic that made me think of Bushy and Dowdy in their fun mover. And I remember Dowdy was going to the 520 for a while. He was going to a 450 for a while, just like kind of bouncing up and around all the all the different CCs. So good times to see Dowdy. And uh, pulling so many holies. So many. So many holies. So many holies on the 520, 540, whatever it was. Yep, yep. Um, you know, I, I will always hold these years. Look, Ricky Carmichael is by far the greatest rider of all time. I'm not arguing that at all. However... When you go back to these early 2000 years in this 250 class, it is not deep, everybody. It is not deep. I will put my hand on the Bible on that. There were how many motos when Carmichael was winning 99% of the races? A couple perfect seasons. If he didn't have a perfect season, he was winning 10 out of a, 10 or 11. Steve, how many motos where it was Dowd and Kyle Lewis getting hole shots and he just had to pass those two? Because I just think we didn't think about four strokes, right? Like we just didn't. Think yeah. about how much advantage they were. It, it was still like, eh, you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yep. It, it but, just, but you're right. It was yeah. generally he had to pass two privateers. Yeah. He would start third or fourth, pass two privateers, and that was the end of the moto. I, and I don't care. You could put anybody in the gate. He's going to win at least 22 of the 24 motos anyway. He's proven that time and time again. But the 250 field, because you just didn't see privateers getting like fifth like you did back then. Now, mm -hmm. it doesn't happen. Right. I don't feel like it's as 
I know people like to say sports dying, sports fading off, blah, blah, blah. You watch 450 class this year and give me another year where there were more good bikes, factory teams, factory riders who really tried hard and were really good. I, I'll put it up against anything. It's definitely not weaker than it ever was. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I, I'll agree. Yeah. Um, Is the equivalent of John Dowd on the 540 KTM, and Dowd's like, I mean, really old at this point. Yeah. He is not getting the results in this field this year that he was uh, in 2001. The equivalent, I don't think. No, you look at the results from this race. It's Wyndham, Ferry, Larocco, Villamin. And then there's a big gap to me. Now, Ron Ron goes 412, so you may want to put Ron Ron in that category. Yeah. But Dowd, Lampson. was there. He went 19-7. Yeah, right. is good, obviously. Right. Uh, obviously. Yep. But Dowd, Lampson, like they're, they're beyond past their prime at this point. They're on yes. a KTM on Husqvarna. Preston is on a Husqvarna. Travis is still not who he's going to be. Clark Styles, full privateer. Kyle Lewis, full privateer. Kevin Krein, uh, the late Kevin Krein, good dude, by the way, 11th overall. Yep. You know what I mean? Some guy named Thomas from Melrose, Florida. Yeah, these guys aren't you know on that level. Renard was uh, sixth in the first moto. Renard is done at this point, done at 01, you know? So... Yeah, Yamaha. I don't even remember a uh, Rainer Yamaha. Yeah, just here. privateer Yamaha. Just him and him and. Yeah, that's what senior. I mean. Right. You've got like four or five factory guys on decent bikes, and that's seriously it. Yeah. And I mean, we had like thirteen in in two thousand twenty one. So yeah, Lee at re-raceables. Tim Ferry goes three two, uh, catches and passes Mike Larocco in the second moto, which is just amazing. Uh, Timmy <laughs> Art Art mentions fourteen times that Timmy's the most improved rider of the year. Um, I know. Uh, so Art's very stoked on it, everything else. But the best part, the best part of this whole entire race <laughs> is the crew goes to Timmy's house in Dade City for a tour. And Timmy, the dynamic Tim Ferry, oh, yeah. takes us through his house, gives us a tour. I forgot about Dozer the dog. They got rid of him. Uh, they didn't have him for a long time. Poor Dozer. Um, um, and then, uh, yeah, we got the tour. Travis, his younger brother, playing video games. We got him in the gym working out. Evie's in there in the office. A website is coming soon. A website is coming soon. Yeah, Red um, Dog 15 yeah, coming soon. Yeah, coming soon. Um, uh, there's also a, a few trophies in there. Um, surprisingly, not in the shed where, where the gas is. But um, he uh, does have his Glen Helen <laughs> trophy from earlier that year. And then he has his one number one plaque from 97 uh, in the office. And they're probably still there right now. But he does not have the Summer Cross trophy. Oh, oh no. I was praying. Oh, you were he, praying? He gets the number one plate from the 97-125 Supercross, and he moves to the next trophy, and I'm like, beast, Summercross. But I forgot. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. It is here in the Pulp Studios. And I think <laughs> I think at this point I still had it. I don't remember when I got it. I didn't get it right after the race, but it wasn't shortly after that I got it. And uh, it is here in the Pulp Studio, the Summercross trophy. Yes. Uh, did you... Okay, yeah, so there was a break. Like, you were with Timmy, then you weren't. Yeah. Then you eventually – so in these in-between years, yeah. Brian Kenny, that was 2000 and 2001, I worked for KTM without Timmy. Were you yeah. still keeping an eye on – extra eye on Timmy? Oh, we still talked all the time. Oh, yeah, I was still still watching him, you know, come up and, 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 and get on this forced joke and then at times be scared for his life when the thing would backfire on him. Okay, um, but like when he won, he won Glen Helen this year, right? Yeah, he went 2-2. Right, so you, you were extra stoked if, oh, if yeah. Timmy did well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. No, and I remember when okay. Kelly Smith won High Point, like him and Brooks came over to find me. You know what I mean? Like like in the mud, like after the day was over. Like they were happy for me that Kelly Smith won. 
that day. You know what I mean? So that was cool. Timmy was. Timmy was, yeah. Wait, Timmy knew who Kelly Smith was and like knew what happened? And yeah, everything? yeah. I'm impressed. In, in 2000, we parked at his house. I, I've told you this story. In 2000, we parked at his house, the KTM rig. Timmy rode Kelly's 125 around. What the hell? Yeah, he ripped on Kelly's 125. Then he jumped on uh, Shane King's 520, and he's riding <laughs> that thing around. It was great. It was fr- he, he, he thought the 125s were so fast. And I'm like, yeah, they are, dude. They're good. Like, I know you think this thing is – you don't even know where KTM is made, and you don't even know where the linkage is, and you don't know yep. anything. You, you wonder about this, 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 this front master cylinder where the clutch is. But trust me. <laughs> trust me. This thing's fast, you know? So. Okay. You were t- I mean, for Timmy to, to be paying that much attention. Yeah. He must have really cared. Right, right, right. right because yep. as we know, he's one of the more clueless buddies we have out there. Also, though, yep. so we get a tour of his house, right? The gym and everything else. And, and we get the tour of the house and everything. But, like, he says, oh, I got a supercross motocross track 100 yards out the, out the door here yeah, in, from his garage. And, like, they don't show that at all, I don't think. I don't think Yo, they, what? what? Like, like, wouldn't every – like, you're watching this. You're a moto fan. You see this, you know, million-dollar house. And this beautiful house, and literally everybody watching this, his dream would be to have a motocross track right outside the front door. That's what Timmy has at this point, and they don't show the track. Like I thought it was so weird. I was or like, they showed. I think they show him go through one turn. They show him like go through a right hand corner. I'm like, yeah. You go to his like, house, he rides and everything, and you show four seconds. If of they it? if they stood on top of the garbage bin that's like right out there uh, out the garage. They could have an overview of the entire property. It would look, it'd probably look so bitching. I was waiting for it because I wanted to see, because I'd been there in 99, right? I'd been in 2000. I wanted to see what iteration of his track was going at that point, like which direction it was. So I was like, huh, I wonder I wonder if it went over by that tree there. I wonder if it went that way. Like, you know, I was curious. Yeah. So I was literally waiting for that scene to be like, oh, that, I remember that track or whatever. And nothing. So, yeah. I know. I, I they tried so hard to show every room of the house, yeah. including his bed. There was a lot yeah. of analysis yeah. of the bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how comfortable it was. Right. Uh, dog doesn't normally go in the bed, but he's letting it go today. Yeah. But why you would not show him? The only thing I could guess is that he just didn't feel like riding that day. But they could have. Like, ah, but, right. but again, they could have shown the property and the track. It, you know, maybe I don't know. Uh, it was yeah. odd to me. But um, that not that. that property there he doesn't he added on years after this to a to a guest house and another garage and an rv garage um so yeah so this is the same house he's still there now yeah okay yeah so um this is this is where all the tim ferry uh you know guys that train with ferry yeah. swole back in the day or, yep. or evan ferry now that's where they ride yep yep same wow. place so um anyway so dynamic tour through timmy ferry house and uh it's just great. amazing just 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 simply amazing also, they interview yes. him later on, which, I mean, besides Art saying he's the most improved 18 times, and besides the tour of the house, they have another interview with Tim Ferry, and he gives himself an A grade on the year, and I think it should have been A+. plus. I think it should have been an A+, plus, but Timmy's being modest. Hey, I'm just happy that a guy who didn't beat Carmichael wasn't, like, down in the dumps, like <laughs> Wyndham saying in an average year. Like, Wyndham had a good year. He had a good year. He rode good. He yeah. won some races. Yeah. But it's like... I'm in the main class. I'm being paid a lot of money. I don't win the championship. The year sucks. So good for Timmy for actually identifying that he actually rode well, even though he didn't win the championship against Carmichael. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, LaRocco's interview is also uh, very dynamic. He, yeah, oh, yeah. He's just thrilled. Thrilled to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, classic LaRocco. He wants to get used to the bike. He likes to four-stroke. It is fun. Yeah, and you could tell. I mean, if it doesn't rip, fun is oh, the yeah. main thing you get out of the LaRocco interview. If it doesn't rip his arms out, he thinks he can get a start. 
you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Wyndham is just gone in both motos. Uh, although, he, like I said, he says Ferry was going faster, so that that was that made me really happy inside. Uh, if only, if only Larocco and Ferry had gotten better starts. Steve. Oh, imagine that! <laughs> imagine that! Right. <laughs> if only they had gotten better starts. Right. So they show Yogi like f- picking his bike up in the second turn in Moto One, and I don't think yeah. they ever show him again. And this was Yogi's. Uh, was this last year? Yes, last year at Honda. So this yeah. was this was his farewell race at Honda. So. Which we uncovered on the re-raceables. They wanted him back. Yeah. Who knew? Yep, yep. Who knew? I so. thought that. I thought they were just like, uh, we're, we're sweeping out with the old and with the new. But no, they still wanted him. Shout out for the Pauly Carpenter. Good start in Moto1. He, he would go 26-31 on the day, but uh, he runs third in Moto1 for a little bit. So shout out to uh, Paul Carpenter. Mm-hmm. And then, um, is Vincent Carnell related to Logan? Never thought about this. Because Vincent's Carnell from Ohio. Carnell Asada? Right. Carnell did not even put that together. Well, there's a Vince Carnell from Medina, Ohio, and I remember him, and I just remembered it, and I'm like, oh, wait, Logan Carnell, also from Ohio. I think that may be his cousin. Okay. Carnell and Carne Asada. Yeah. Give me some Carnell. I'm sure about that. Uh, Mark- hey, I completely uh, derailed the point you were making about the Donations, the fateful 2001 Donations team. Uh, yeah, you're right. Tons of talk about the Donations team getting ready. Carmichael, Wyndham, and Brown. And, uh, yeah, we were only, what was it, September 2nd, you said this race was? Yeah, yeah, September 2nd. Yeah, uh, so that's, uh, let's do the math. Nine days away yep. from September 11th, 2001. Yep, yep. Um, Hard to believe. Nine days after this race, I would be at Bud's Creek uh, getting ready for getting ready for Stroke Nationals with Kelly Smith, which uh, where we would go undefeated, by the way, all year long, like Carmichael and like Stu. But, uh, yeah, so nine days. Wait, so, okay, so the next weekend – Dude, so I, the next weekend, you guys start the four-stroke national. Yes, you just keep I, on racing. And I think it was six or seven rounds. So I was I was six or seven weeks on the road still back in Michigan for 01 and 00. You know what I mean? My off-season yeah. was just, yeah, there was no off-season for me a little bit. So Yeah, yeah. So Kelly Smith and you, all Supercross, all motocross, then four-stroke national. Yeah, six or seven rounds of those things. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so uh, September 11th, that series just kept on trucking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. No problem there. <laughs> so this well. is a, this is on a Sunday, right? So uh, so that means the um, yes, it was. So the the next weekend we raced. We then we stayed back at Bud's Creek. There was a race at Bud's Creek on the on the ninth. Then we yeah. practiced at Bud's Creek on the tenth and the eleventh. We may have took the tenth off, uh, but maybe at the eleventh on the eleventh on Tuesday we were at Bud's Creek when the towers were hit. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah. This is the classic everyone remembers. Yep. Uh, where they were, so there you go. Yep, you're up Bud's Creek. Yeah. I, I'm not far from DC, and where so uh, there were sirens yeah. all day going uh, going north, like just sirens all day. Oh, people. you could hear it. Yeah, oh yeah, going up that Waldorf, that number five or whatever. Yeah, uh, just going up to the Pentagon. So all day long, crazy. Yeah, for me, I had just started uh, Relay Racer X. I didn't have a computer or a phone of any kind. I could not even communicate with my mom and dad, basically, that I was alive. Um, so I remember I'd have to get to the office early and steal Dave Brozick's computer before he showed up. Uh, just to check my email and like tell people I was I was alive. This is like just oh before, yeah because like, people ha- people would think you were in Jersey, right? I don't mean for September 11th. Oh. I mean oh. I just moved from New Jersey to Morgantown, but I didn't have a phone and I didn't have a computer, so there was literally no way to communicate with my parents at all. Like, hey, 
I'm 22 years old. I'm moving out. See ya. Maybe I'll talk to you in a few weeks. Hopefully I make yeah. it. <laughs> so, so I'm just like desperate yeah. to get on computers and like use yeah. email and be like, yeah, I'm moving in. They gave me an apartment. I mean, I've literally been there. I don't know. Same thing. Nine days, 10 days. Uh, when this happens, it is the odd thing. Yes. That I've moved away from, you know, I could see those towers from like the beach near my house, but I've now moved away from that. And I remember everybody starts freaking out <clears throat> and they're like, what about Pittsburgh? What if they come at us? And I'm just thinking to myself, these these Rube Hick West Virginians, plane crashes into the Pentagon and New York City. They're not coming for Pittsburgh. Stop it. And then like two minutes later, they're like, another plane has crashed just outside of Pittsburgh. And I'm like, <laughs> good thing I didn't say that out loud. Yeah. Yeah, um, good thing I didn't say that out loud. So Although you, that one was headed actually to the Pentagon. It just yeah. ended up in Pennsylvania. You, um, yeah. no, I think it was the Capitol building. They were going to do the Capitol building with that one. Um, oh, that, sorry. It was going yeah, to Washington, right, D.C. Right. That was the goal. But it did end up in... Pennsylvania, not too, too far from where our office is actually. So you were not hired to do the GNCC announcing right away at RacerX, or you were? That was your, still your gig? Because like oh, the series is over by now, so I'm like, why are they getting Weege in the office in September? Yeah, this is funny. So you remember Pat Shooty? Yes. Remember Pat Shooty? Yes. Yeah, so Pat Shooty was Supercross PR guy for a little while. Uh, was Davey's buddy. Had some other jobs, I think, outside the industry. And then at some point, Along the way, he was like between jobs. So like Davey hired him like for the summer of 2001 to like do PR for the Nationals. Uh, and then the summer was ending. So I guess they're like, well, Pat Shooty's leaving. We have this new guy begging for a job. Maybe he could help us uh, in some way. So I actually like took the apartment that Shooty was living in. I was like replacing Shooty, who okay. is, as yep. Davey says, the overqualified summer intern. That's what Pat Shooty was. So I basically at Steel City was like, all right, it's going to be Shooty's last day. It's going to be your first day. Shooty, tell him everything he needs to know. And I didn't know what um, – we didn't know what the hell to do, to be honest, because the Nationals were ending. So somewhere along the way, someone was just like, well, GNCCs are still going. Why don't you do some work with that? Um, <laughs> and that was basically about it. But I was not paid, and I wasn't given a computer. And like I said, you didn't, like, have a cell phone back then. Like, it wasn't – like, obviously, everybody has one now. So I just remember everybody eventually left the – this is horrible to say this – but on September 11th, by, I don't know, like 10, 11 a.m., everybody's like, we're going home. So everybody just goes home. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have a computer today. So I just stayed at the office and, like, actually, like, communicated with the world for the first time in nine days because it was the first time I had, like, had access to a phone or computer uh, since I had moved because everybody else went home. I remember having a cell phone with Nick Way in 02, but I don't remember in 01 having a cell phone. You know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. like – yeah. It was like 50 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, eventually I sorted it out and eventually I got one. I mean, I just moved ahead. Other yeah. priorities. Right. Because um, I just started this job. But <clears throat> yeah, that was my September 11th uh, memory. And then, yeah, they, as to the, our point here, the donations team quickly falls apart. They don't compete. And um, I guess everything is a lot different. I never really got to experience flight before I flew it. You know, as a kid, two or three times. So yeah. I don't remember all this. The airports got so gnarly after September 11th. You, do you know the difference? O one, O two. Yeah, totally yeah, yeah. Not totally different, but definitely different. Yeah, for sure. You used to be yeah. able to go right through security, get to your gate, no problem. Hang out yeah. at the gate uh, if you weren't flying. You know, like I'll go meet you at your gate type deal. Yeah, crazy. Um, uh, yeah, yep. definitely, definitely deal. Um, twenty fifth overall, Seal City, two thousand one, twenty two, twenty four on the day. A young Barry Karsten. <laughs> young. Well, not really. Uh, well, uh, wait, hold on here. Let me see. So, and then Ty this Wallace is... right behind him. So this is just basically English town, local race. 
Uh, unbelievable how these guys find each other. Yes. Carson and Wallace, legends. Wallace from Pennsylvania, Carson from New Jersey, legends. Every weekend at the local races, just some of the most epic duels of all time. And then the fact that they'd end up at the Nationals, the same thing, 25th and 26th overall, but still battling. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just great. incredible. Yep, it's just great. Just incredible, yep. Um, we did Barry the- not scoring points in the motos. That's not acceptable. Not acceptable, no. no. While JSR and Marco Dubé, Canadian legend, French-Canadian oh. legends, are in there. So he would have if, if we didn't have some ringers, back a little bit. ringers in there. Yep. Uh, Jason Thomas, uh, we always have the Where's JT category. Now, we covered that in, in, in part one, but there is uh, um, we did ask JT uh, for about this year. And uh, so he goes 14-13 um, on a Husky. For 13th, which is – that is so JT, 14-13 for 13th. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just uh, rock solid. Um, I said that, tank, as you would call it. Yeah, JT, remember anything about Steel City 01? He says, that's my last Husky race. Farachi was a dick to everyone. I bought a Honda on Monday. And I loaded my van with as much Golden Spectro as I could on the way out. <laughs> Golden Spectro was the team sponsor this year for oil. And yeah, so him and Frank made off with Golden Spectro and he bought a Honda on Monday. <laughs> That's so good. Good times. DKNY Husqvarna, everybody. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Lampson went 9 6, though. I, I, I remember he started this year in 125s, I believe, and then he moved to 250s. Nine six for Lammy at this at the corpse of Steve Lampson at this point, like he's 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 beyond prime. Lammy is, and he'll tell you. I'm sure he would tell you the same thing. Uh, good job for Lammy. Nine six. Oh, he's on a husky. He's on a husky. Yeah. Wow, Lammy. Lance. Uh, this Art is Lance Ekman Lampson. Was quite impressed with this. What's that? Ekman's voice raised. He, he had several octaves yes. to go, but yeah. it did raise. He was very happy that Lammy got sixth overall. Yeah, yeah. He was he was stoked. Uh, Lance. He had respect for Lampson. Lance Lampson at this point. Remember, Ferracci was called him Lance. That's what JT told uh, us. So. Yeah, that might be a, a pod for JT right there. Just all the stories from that. Yeah. That team. Um. So yeah. Similar to the team that you know Zacho and Anderson were winning titles and races for. Or nah. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> similar level. Now continuing on the legacy of Husqvarna. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Oh God. Uh, I just feel like 14, 13 for 13th overall. Just anything between 13 and 15th. That's so JT. It's just, just his legacy, right? Just right there. Right in that sweet spot. Yeah, man. Right there. No, yeah. you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, good did times. we do all the categories in the last show? We did. Yeah, we did. Who the hell is Jeffrey Baker finishing 18th overall? That's my, that's my guy. Uh, Who's that guy? 18th overall, 21-15, Greenwood, Indiana, Jeff Baker. Never heard of him. You know what? I thought I had heard of him. I saw his name, obviously, in there. I thought I heard of him, but I, I remember there being a Jeff Baker from Cali, so this isn't him. So this is some yep. sort of Baker from Cali. This guy's from Indiana. Um, yeah, good job. I mean, all the guys around him are, are, are well-known guys. JSR right in front of him, Dubay, you mentioned. The New Mexico, Keith Johnson, Raynard, Pavoni, Hoffmaster, Jimmy Neese, Ryan Clark, Treadwell. Yeah. All these guys we know. And, and then this dude, Jeffrey Baker. Junior. Jeffrey Baker Jr. Uh, good job. Yeah, 15th in Moto2. And that is his last. No, no. He raced the next year was his last yeah. national. Yeah. He raced one more year. Right. Oh, I, was, I have no idea. I was going to go with Jason McDonald as who's that guy. Was there McDonald that was involved with like Rock- hamburgers? Uh, some supercross training in California? Like uh, involved Tyler Bowers to some somehow. I don't know if the guy who looked at Spy. Maybe. Oh no, this Maybe. is different. This guy's from Pontiac, Michigan. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah, Pontiac, yeah. Michigan. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Jason McDonald. So I don't know, but yeah, I I think actually, 
uh, Jeffrey Baker Jr. could get the uh, uh, Who's That Guy Award and the uh, Jacob Marsak Award. He really could. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm him. I'm taking it, dude. Yeah. You got top 20 international. Yeah, absolutely. 15th? Yep. Solid. Yep. Yeah, not even yep. top 20. Like 15th. Like two back of JT. Yeah. So. Yeah, if I had to split those awards, uh, Lammy on uh, sixth on the Husky in the 250 class. I did not think that happened. So <laughs> yeah. I would give Baker the Who's That Guy and the Marsak. I didn't think he ever did that well. The the Lamson Husky experiment. Yeah. Sixth. Yeah, I don't really remember I, too many top five or six places for Lamson on a on a Husqvarna era for sure. So right, um, right. Steve Lamson, perhaps. Well, definitely the fastest rider. Nah. Maybe Red Dog. Who's the fastest guy to never win a, su- a 450 Supercross? It's either Lamson, Cooper, or Red Dog. Yeah, I'm putting right. both of those ahead of Lamson in Supercross. I feel like they were closer more often. To, to winning yeah. supercrosses, yeah, like lead laps, lead races. Cooper had you know, to lead more. Than, I bet you Cooper led more than Red Dog, though. God, Cooper seemed like he led a lot. Yeah, that's true. All right, so we're gonna go Cooper number one. Yeah. Yep. Timmy two. Okay. And that, that Timmy two. That, that pains yeah. me. That pains me. I know, I know, but, but Guy Cooper was good, man. No, I know, yep. I know. But Timmy did have the yep. 07 450 motocross title, so he did have that. What? Oh, he did. He? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty okay. Sure. Hey, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, we yeah. just had Langston on this show. <laughs> yeah, I know. Timmy won it. <laughs> oh, he did? Yeah, okay. no, He had the lead, the points lead, you know. And then he just kind of black out after that? <laughs> I just don't remember what happened after that. Okay, he, had, he had the points lead, and then I was chronologically or, or cryologically frozen. Okay, when Timmy left as the points lead. <laughs> yes, yes. So I was frozen I remember- and, and revived. <laughs> I remember in 07, you, you said Timmy summed it up like, yeah, those guys definitely stepped up. Yeah, yeah, that's what he did. Yeah, yeah. Once Stu got hurt, everybody really stepped it up and got faster. Well, Timmy, that was the yeah. idea. That was the idea for you too to do that. But yeah, I guess not. So. Well, I think that just shows you, like Timmy just gave you his all, no matter what. Yeah. Like he was whether the who whoever was there, he was going to give you everything you had. But yeah. it was like the other guys were like, "Wait, Carmichael retired. Stu got hurt. Oh no, I'm really going for yeah, it. Yeah, what? What? I can win? Yeah. I got a shot at a, a, right. a title bonus. Right. I'm on it. And Timmy still claims to this day that Jeff Alessi attacked him like a spider monkey in the first turn at Steel City. Oh, and that cost him? Wow. He, caught, he went down in the first turn. He said Jeff Alessi just grabbed his waist and dragged him down. Oh. So uh, who knows? I, I, I oh, because Mike was in it. Yeah, Mike was in it. Jordy was in it. Wyndham, Wyndham could have been in it if he had g- gained two shits. <laughs> you know? And then GL. <laughs> I did not know. After all these years, we still have more... Crazy Alessi things to try to win a title stories that have well, not been told. But that's just it. Like Jeff jumping onto Timmy and grabbing him and pulling him down. Like if it was anybody else, you'd be like, shut up, Timmy. But with, with I mean, this is the laser guy. So you're like, okay, totally could have happened. Totally could Absolutely. have happened. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I mean, this is the stand on the bike and grab for the kill switch yeah. family. Yeah. Like, yeah. of course they did this. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So <laughs> if you go down in the first turn, you see Timmy or Wyndham or Shorty. Or Langston, do whatever you can to make sure they don't get up. Put your arm in the spokes. It doesn't matter. You have two <laughs> arms. You're fine. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Yes, I forgot. Mike was right there in yep. that title fight yep. as well. Yep. Um, magic, right. He had the magic shock. He did. Yeah. Oh, from, yeah. Uh, David yeah. Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, great. Uh, great show. Anything else? Oh, one, two fifties. Liat, re Scott, Maxis, all on board with us. Anything else? 
I mean, we did it. I, I, I hope people aren't mad we made you wait for two parts. But look, we got Pastrana in. We talked Stu. We talked Carmichael. We talked to Brown, Langston, and FMIP. We talked September 11th. Uh, we talked your KTM days, your potential tie-up with Rhino. <laughs> with Rhino. What more do you want? Yeah, it's it's everything it's you want in an episode of, of Reraceables. You and, and Rhino could have been a team. Oh, it would have been great. We would have got along great. I uh I we have uh we have our Ryan Villapoto with 2009 Seattle coming up after this everybody so we'll uh we'll, we'll release that episode as well, um yep. that's a good that's a good chat as well uh so thanks everybody for for yeah listen to these two parts Steel City it was an epic day and it deserves two parts because so many things happen and so much to talk about on the Lee at Reraceables um anything else Weej? No, we are good. This is an all time classic. I'm glad everybody hopefully stuck around all the way to the end of part two. Thanks for listening everybody. Thanks Weej. Yep. See ya.